we had this one hotel room that was super dark at night. You know, like a lot of hotel rooms, you have to sort of figure out what how, how, how do you, uh, you know, if you turn off all the lights, it's sort of like pitch black. And then if you wake up in the middle, middle of the night to go to the bathroom or something, you really don't, you can't really see where you're going. So in a lot of cases, uh, you know, the sort of the relation between where the bathroom is and the um, the bed area. So you can sort of either, there's a, a little light you can keep on or close the bathroom door to just a crack. So there's a little bit of light coming on in. So most hotel rooms, you're able to do that to some extent. But then this one that we were in, uh, like the only, you had to turn like the lights of the bathroom on and there was really no door because this hotel was really just meant for couples. So there's really no door to the bathroom. Like, you know, you, the shower, for example, is completely in view of the room. So it's only for couples, really. So you just turn the light on to the bathroom. It's just a blaring light. It's, so it's really, you can't really sleep with that on. So it was just like super dark. So I had brought this uh, flashlight, this little brass flashlight that I bought years ago from a site that used to be called MassDrop.com. Uh, it was a very cool website, MassDrop.com. They had a lot of interesting products, including, you know, sort of the EDC stuff, the everyday carry stuff, which is, uh, I think, kind of a really interesting phenomenon. I don't know when it started. It's just sort of the idea that, uh, right, as a, like, this is sort of where men and women's clothing and fashions kind of influence your lifestyle, that, uh, you know, women, generally, their clothes are made with less pockets, and they have, a, they carry a handbag, there's a lot of stuff in it, but men generally don't have that, just have pockets, don't generally carry a bag around. It's just a weird cultural thing, it's kind of arbitrary, but uh, everyday carry is sort of more male-oriented in terms of a bunch of stuff you can bring with you, like a knife, a little fiddle toy, a flashlight, etc., uh, and it's something I found somewhat interesting. I don't know that I really care that much. Like I, I do carry things around, but not. I don't have this big kit of things I carry around. But I find it to be an interesting idea, a very sort of romantic idea in some ways, that you could sort of have the ultimate uh, collection of tools you can carry around with you every day in case you need them. But this little this little brass flashlight, um, you know, and I think you know the flashlights in the past, if you remember, that little tiny bulb. That was so weak, and you had to you had to put like uh, like a mass amount of these <laughs> giant D cell batteries in, and a little tiny light bulb, which is incandescent, right? And uh, I don't know why it took so much power. You had to load it up with these freaking giant batteries, and you turn it on, and it's very very weak. That's why you had to have this like uh, is it this like reflector thing? to kind of try to gather and reflect the light. And and they were very weak flashlights. You remember you remember that those flashlights back in the day. Well, maybe you don't if you're under a certain age. But uh, all that changed with the, uh, the arrival of the LED, or light-emitting diode. This is a very major invention in, in human history, the light-emitting diode. I've tried to understand it. Like, they say, well, there's these two layers of material, and electrons get trapped in there, and somehow... Thus, light is formed. It's very, listen, it's very mysterious. Obviously, it seems to work, and I'm very happy that it works because, uh, you know, especially having a house, um, you know, you have to replace the light bulbs much less frequently, the LEDs. Though I did have a chandelier, you know, we have like a chandelier which has little, those little lights that sort of shape kind of like a little flame. 
not like they used to have the lights that actually had like the flame. It actually is like a flame. It kind of flickers, but not they, this just sort of shaped kind of like a, I don't know how to describe the shape. It's sort of like a whoosh, like a, a flame. But I had one LED that went bad. But other ones, they seem to last years and years and years and years, almost like seeming like they never run out. Um, so it's it's actually, you know, and, and I know recently a lot of the incandescent bulbs were made uh, illegal. They're trying to get people to use LEDs, which is kind of understandable as they're much more energy efficient and fill up landfills much less quickly. Uh, I never really had an issue with incandes- uh, incandescents in terms of how they look. But, of course, uh, the fluorescent lights always had that soul-draining like, quality to the light. There's something really nasty about it. And then... They had this uh, light bulb replacement called the CFC for a while, um, chlorofluorocarbon. I, I, don't, I really don't know what it what that stands for, but it was a it's like a fluorescent bulb, but all twisted in the shape of a light bulb. Those we st- we started using those, and those probably lasted like a month before they would just die. And then they're like, "Oh, you can't throw it away. It contains the most toxic chemicals possible. It can't wind up in a landfill. You have to take it to a special location to have them recycle it and and make sure the poisons inside don't get." Don't, what the hell kind of light bulb was this? What a piece of crap! I wonder if people still have those 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 twisty chlorophyll. Like it was just insane, right? It was an insane, an insane product. Then they just started coming out with light bulb shaped bulbs that our LED light emitting diodes and they just sort of work and they just sort of last for a long time. So they started putting those in flashlights. So that that's the bottom line. And uh, so no more did you have to have this weak little crappy flashlight with these gigantic batteries. Remember the D cell batteries? And I know that I know they still have them, but anyway, so that little brass flashlight I brought on the trip, I'm like, Oh, is this overkill? Do I really need it? But it was very good in that room that was uh, so dark. I, I I could sort of turn it on, and sort of just sort of cup it in my hand, and sort of have a little bit of light to guide me to the bathroom. It was actually I actually used it. I can't believe it. So I mean I'm definitely a fan of of you know flashlights. Just the idea of having flashlights because you know it's can light your way in the dark, and it has also this sort of symbolic significance of. Uh, you know, we're all sort of in the dark, philosophically speaking, and uh, we want something to light the way. So, though perhaps a flashlight doesn't have an actual spiritual component, it could perhaps uh, represent what we wish we had, which was more spiritual guidance, you know. Actually, going through a strange uh, situation myself uh, within the past few days, we'll get to that. My wife broke her arm, and... Uh, very severe, and uh, you know, I've had to cancel a lot of things and uh, take care of her at home here. And uh, we'll, 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 we'll get to that. That's what's going on. By the way, it's my birthday today. Yes, today is October third, twenty twenty-three. I have turned fifty-six years old. Why does that seem so much older than fifty-five? You know, I mean, I, I, I it does seem pretty. Is, is, is old, am I old now? I mean, you know, fifty-six is. Is this the entrance to old age is 56? I don't know. I know it's not technically. I know like 60 or 62 is like the retirement age or whatever. I'm actually not that far from there. I know people aren't don't have as an easy time retiring as they used to. But yes, it is my birthday today. Um, Yeah, very weird situation. Um, my wife's OK, but, she, you know, she needs, uh, you know, needs additional treatment. I think she's going to need surgery. She broke her arm that bad and. uh 
So we've been dealing with a healthcare system, which is not very, <laughs> you have to do a lot of the work yourself, obviously. Um, yeah, it's been tough, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But let's talk about this flashlight here. So I've been getting a lot of ads for flashlights in my, I guess I've done some searches for flashlights. So on my phone, I have this, uh, the Google feed, where if you're on the home screen, you just swipe to the right, it gets to this feed of stories. But it's totally based on your search history. And it's like a lot of stuff I search for, I don't even want to have, see stories about. So it's very, I think you can sort of adjust it by telling it not to show you those kind of stories anymore. But anyway, I just, I find myself doing it just without even thinking. And I get a lot of flashlight ads and there's this company called Olight that, uh, I've seen some interesting flashlights there, but like there was one with these little mini flashlights and then they had these charging units that almost looked like, like a Zippo lighter. And there was an additional battery in there and. They kept pushing that, and then they discontinued it. I thought it was kind of cool, but it all seemed kind of overpriced. So I was the latest one they had. I saw some reviews, and they're like, you know, why would you get this when you can get a Workos uh, flashlight for like twenty bucks? I'm like, wait a minute, I'll just get a Workos. <laughs> I, were, I think this is this is there's a lot of those Chinese brands that just sort of come up with English brand English based brand names that are sort of meaningless, like Workos. So I found the Workos FC11. It's only like $32 and change on Amazon. I'm like, that is a price that feels better than this other Olight, which is like $100, $150 for like the same kind of thing. That's the thing. If you have this like a, a you know, cheaply manufactured product, you can just sort of like, if you could market it and push it on people and have them pay $100 for it, that's a lot more profit for you, obviously. But so I got the I got this only thirty something bucks you know I got the Workos FC eleven sort of a birthday present to myself and uh, the one thing that really impressed me was like the uh, that other Olight was like you can actually charge it with USB C because you know we're at this point in history where USB USB C is becoming the de facto standard for everything but yet a lot of like the new iPhone I don't think is even out yet the fifteen is uh, switching over to USB C whereas it had been Thunderbolt before you know. Um, but this, so the, the, that other light, which is like a hundred something bucks, maybe I, it was like, oh, it has a holster and the holster can take USB-C, but someone's like, well, the FC 11, which is like 30 bucks can takes USB-C directly to charge it. Cause listen, at, at some point there's, I, there's too many different wires. Everyone is settling on USB-C as the standard. So if you can charge something with USB-C, you can charge your phone and you can charge your flashlight. Jeez. Seems pretty pretty simple and easy. So I got this one here. I got it in the uh, the dark green color, and it's it's not mini, but it's sort of what would you say? It's like four inches, four or five inches tall, and uh, yeah, it has a nice design. It has nice ridges on it. And what is it inside here? It's like a there's a battery of some sort in here, but it's not like a regular. But I think it's like a rechargeable battery. Yeah, it's like it's like a. <laughs> It's weird. It's like it's almost like a giant A cell. It's a I don't even know, three thousand milliamp. Yeah. It's like a rechargeable battery. But it's yeah, you you recharge it, you don't like replace it. So anyway. I wonder if this can do reverse charging. Because there there was another one, another flashlight of a similar there's another brand, I forget what it's called, that, that does reverse charging, but can like charge your phone in a pinch. Uh, yeah, so this one, it just has, it has a sing, single button operation, which seems to be how these things work. And you have to memorize series of clicks to make it work, but only one button. 
which I guess makes it easier and cheaper to manufacture. And then there's a rubber seal that you lift up and then you get to the USB-C port to charge it. Kind of got to push down to get that rubber thing closed again. But anyway, you can uh, you turn it on with a single click. Oh, look, and, and, and it shows a green light to show that the charge is pretty good right now. Um, yeah, as you're charging it, there's a red light under the button. The button seems like an opaque black rubber button, but there's a light under it. <clears throat> so I have it on, like, eco mode now, which is, uh, you know, I'm in the basement. It's it's early in the morning, but the eco mode is <laughs> it's a pretty uh, pretty powerful flashlight compared to the ones in the past. And what you do is you hold the button down, and it cycles through the four regular. Like, here's the top one, and this is pretty freaking bright. Right? So you can just hold down it cycles. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So yeah, that fourth one is just super bright. It's like a floodlight kind of thing. I've been keeping it on the lowest one. But then if you double click, you go into turbo mode, and this is insane. This is super, super insanely bright. It just lights up the whole room. Mr. Mojo, the cat's looking at oh, what's going on. Kitty, what's going on? It's a flashlight. Uh, yeah, the turbo mode is amazing. It's like this super bright floodlight. It's insane. Look at this. It's cool. Yeah, so that's that's this flashlight. So it's uh, I actually, I, you know, I, I just wanted to get like a modern flashlight because so much has happened in the world of flashlights since I got that little brass one, you know. And then what did I, did I mention it? Uh, recently, that little Derringer flashlight from tech, TechAss.com. They had some cool flashlights. That that the the Raven. Remember the Raven flashlight that had these like flashing colored lights, and that was from like another time period. That was like from the early two thousands. But yeah, this is a cool little flashlight. So this is a modern LED flashlight, and you can see the little LED element in there. Ah, you see, even at the lowest level, trying to look at it, it's just too bright. This is the lowest level. Wow. I'm seeing the after image on, on, on my retina from even this, this lowest level. Yeah, the lowest level is definitely brighter than a, a regular flashlight in the past with little incandescent, those little tiny incandescent bulbs. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, bad. Hey, it's a few minutes later. <laughs> Mr. Vegas, Kitty, what do you want? I think he wants to drink water out of the sink. Come on, you can have water. Yes, I pull up the stopper and fill the sink with some water. And then Mr. Vegas likes to dip his paw in and lick it. It's an instinct, I think, from uh, wild cats that if they, they can't reach a source of water with their mouth, they can dip their paw in and get some water. Vegas, you don't want water? <laughs> Vegas, go have some water. Go on. Instinct. Yes. That sort of behavior, I think, is uh, perhaps be perhaps better explained by a morphic resonance, but it's a whole other topic. Anyway, in my refrigerator, I, I finally received my new psychedelic cuckoo clock magnet from a seller called Astral Weekend on Etsy. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a 
like that old style of magnet that made of kind of a vinyl, right, a plastic rubber kind of thing, but it's textured, like there's different layers and stuff. They used to, there so many magnets, that was the main kind of magnet they used to make, like a vinyl magnet with, that was like molded. I'm sure they used some kind of a photographic uh, technique to etch the different layers in. Uh, remember, like, if you would go, if you went to Montana, there'd be, like, a Montana magnet that had that vinyl kind of... They don't really make them that much anymore, of that style. That rubber, kind of rubber magnet with, text, like, a textured layers. I'm not describing it properly. Kitties, what's going on? Here's Mr. Mojo, too. Uh, but, yeah, this this uh, psychedelic cuckoo clock, because I have this other magnet from Paso Falzarego from Italy that's a cuckoo clock magnet. Because in that north north of Italy, it's that area called South uh, Tyrol that uh, is German-speaking, and it's a big cuckoo clock area. So um, this one is beautiful. Uh, psychedelic yellow, purples, and blues, and reds. There's a gnome, and there's a fawn, a squirrel, mushrooms, a dove. That's interesting. There was a, there was a dove situation the other day, too. Um, I'll talk about that. But yeah, so this beautiful, it, it looks like a very 70s uh, psychedelic. And is it, there's only one hand on the clock that's pointed to, to to four. I love my new psychedelic cuckoo clock magnet. Happy birthday to me. See, another, another birthday present, I think. Yeah. But here, uh, right by the fridge, by the window, is still that in weird impression of the bird that... Uh, I don't know if we can really... I don't even know if we can clean it because we'd have to get a ladder outside or something. Maybe we could reach outside. I don't know. I, it's just... Uh, you may recall a few episodes ago, I heard this loud thump and I thought something fell. Don't eat the kitty. They're eating the leaves of this plant that my neighbor's got my wife as a... No, kitties. I don't know if this is poisonous to kitties. The hell? They're eating the leaf. Kitties, don't do it. Please. Um, what was I saying? Yes, I had to rewind to listen to what I was saying. Yes, but I, I was sitting right over there, you know, working from home in the dining room, and I heard this loud thump. It sounded like something something really big fell off a table or something. And our, and my cats, especially especially uh, Mr. Mojo here, he loves to knock things off a table. Vegas, not so much. He doesn't really like knocking things off a table, but... As you recall, I was recording right after I heard it. I could not find anything that fell. Turns out it was a bird that flew into the window here. And there is still a feather from the bird stuck. It, it slammed into the window. And there's, there's, the, there's sort of an, an after image of a bird on the window here. Right? It's almost like in a cartoon. There's an image. It's, it's like you see the wings and it's like like an oily splotches, right, from the bird. And there's still a little feather that's stuck in. Again, it must be some kind of oil. We don't know what happened to the bird, but that must, that so that symbol is there. And then, I know the exact number of days later, but like right over here is where my wife, she tripped in the kitchen and uh, you know, broke her arm. So it feels like weirdly, <laughs> I don't really understand a symbolic connection like this, this uh, injurious slam of the bird and then an injurious slam where my wife Denise fell, fell down. Like right, right in the same spot. Very, very weird. And um, also, you know, I had a lot of plans 
that I had to cancel. Um, this happened Friday night, and on Saturday we were going to have um, <clears throat> a birthday party for my uh, mother-in-law. And we're going to have a Yahtzee party. So my wife really worked hard in a Yahtzee tournament, preparing it. We're going to have it here. And then later in the day, I was going to go down to Video Game Connections, the, the video game store that has been closed for over 20 years that's reopening down in Howell, New, Howell, New Jersey, about an hour drive from here. Um, <clears throat> so I was going to leave the party at 5 and then head down to Video Game Connections. Additionally, so that, that, that was just so it's a Tuesday today. That was this, just a few days ago, Saturday. Um, and then additionally, this weekend, I was going to be going... Uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, I was going to be going up to Boston to meet Rule and Manny for an overnight escape adventure. Manny had to drop out, so it's just going to be me and Rule, and possibly my brother's friend Mark, who lives up there. Um, and I already, I, you know, I, I booked the hotel, I booked the the, the 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 Amtrak train and everything, but I've had to cancel that because of, uh, you know, uh, I need to stay home to to help my wife because she I means it's a serious injury and we still haven't gotten to the uh you know she's going to need surgery and you know we're sort of we went to one specialist oh i can't do it it's too severe sent us to another specialist they can't see us for a few days so it's like a this whole thing so like but almost like this bird thought it was flying into this empty space and got slammed into the window all of the plans we had were sort of i had were kind of it's listen it's no big deal obviously but the plans kind of got slammed, slam dunked into 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 oblivion. Um, I don't know. Weird. It's just weird connections and symbols. I don't know. Am I just reading too much into it? I always read too much into it. What do you want? I always read too much into everything. Of course I do. Anyway, yeah. So, um. Yeah, it's just been weird, you know, like, uh, went to the hospital Friday night and we're there pretty much all the way through till the afternoon and didn't get any sleep and, you know, it's just been a whole situation. Um, so, I really do, I mean, I think at this point, um, hopefully she gets the surgery, the arm will, will heal and we'll get past all this. Oh, look, this Walt Disney World magnet is sort of, this is different kind of textures, but it's that same kind of rubbery vinyl kind of thing with different levels, but this is much more advanced technique. Why no, I never really noticed this, this Walt Disney World magnet. It's kind of cool, though. I look at it all the time. Oh, look, Burano. It's a magnet. It's like a, sil a, a teal cylinder with actual lace tied, tied around it because Burano is that island in Venice that makes lace. Murano makes glass, Burano makes lace. Like all the islands there have to have to be known for manufacturing some specific kind of item. Oh, but the uh the other thing that happened was really weird. Um some day in the past few days I came over here, looked out the front door, and uh there were just three doves. These I think are morning doves or turtle doves is, is the name of them. They're the ones that go Some people mistake them for owls, but they were just sitting on my uh, my walkway, right? You know, that goes from the sidewalk to my front door. 
They're just sitting there, three of them. I think a couple of them were on the, the walkway, one was in the grass. They were just sitting there motionless, almost like staring at me. <laughs> they weren't moving. They're just hanging out. I'd never seen anything like that before. Three doves just kind of motionless sitting out there. And then I came back down. I, I, a few minutes later, I came back down, and, they, and the same three were there. They had moved slightly. I looked up all this, like, all this like symbolism of doves. Feel is all feels kind of positive, like it's like a positive symbol for doves to be hanging out ominously outside your house. And who knows? Maybe this was a dove that crashed into the window, and maybe because it. Well, actually, no. It, it shows sort of a no. It's a white feather with a little bit of brown. Maybe it is a dove. I don't know. And again, there's the dove of peace on the uh, psychedelic magnet. So yeah, that was kind of kind of weird. But anyway, I ran out of uh, coffee beans, and I got some on Amazon. It's just too easy to buy things on Amazon now. <laughs> I'm like, I need some coffee beans. You, you go on Amazon. Oh, would you like it? Would you like it delivered this afternoon? Sure. So. I, I did not want to buy any brands I already had because I just that just annoys me for some reason. So I found this this one called Copper Moon Coffee. And what is that logo? It kind of reminds me of those Neville Brody fonts, like not Arena. Maybe it is Arena, the font Arena, or remember Neville Brody fonts? He he used to work on a magazine called Arena, but it's sort of a a, a sans serif. Um. Anyway, uh, Copper Moon Coffee. And so I got the Sumatra and then also the Coconut, Coconut Coffee. Because I, I do have, I do like coconut coffee from time to time. I'm not sure if any coconuts were used in making the flavor. They probably found some chemical that tastes coconutty. But um, these are huge bags, 32 ounces, right? I, I thought I was going to need little bags. I, I, these are huge bags of, of coffee beans. I'll use them because I have a grinder. And... Uh, so the the coconut one though, I opened it up and I put it in my grinder. Started putting some beans in my grinder, but then I noticed some beans were spilling out the side. There was like a like a, a little cut on the side of the bag that coffee beans were spilling out of. So I transferred it into this Ziploc bag. So a big zip. Wow, it's very very fragrant. You can smell that coconut flavor. So anyway, I have a big Ziploc bag full of the 32, 32 ounces minus one one dose of uh, coconut coffee here. I think there's still some brood in here. Let's see if there, I think there's a little bit left. Let's see if we have some coconut. It's actually pretty good coconut coffee. Oh, there's quite a bit actually. It could be a whole nother cup. A whole nother cup's worth. Even more than a cup. Wow. Damn, that's a lot of coffee. That's good. Coconut coffee. Happy birthday to me. Flashlight, psychedelic magnets, coconut coffee. These are all the, the perfect presents for Frank, Edward, Nora, myself. Anyway, on a, a different topic, I um, recently ran out of razor blades. You know, I shave using a razor with shaving cream. And, you know, I did actually find um, a new kind of shaving cream that's from a smaller company that's... Uh, you know, not from one of these big, like, uh, Clinique. Or I was using the Clinique men's shaving cream for a long time and then some other ones, and uh, I wanted to find one that was more, 
don't know if you want to say vegan or cruelty-free or whatever, but I found one that was pretty good. What the heck was the name of it? I forget the name of it. Let's see if I can find it on Amazon here. I bought a couple different ones. But this one's pretty good. Um, I guess I could go upstairs and look too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Pacific Shaving Company Natural Shaving Cream. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's the one I've been using. It's actually pretty good. Very good. There's no, you know, I like that one. Um, so then I'm like, I ran out of. I, I've I've just been using the Gillette Mach Three razors. You know that whole that whole thing where the razors are, they cost like ten to twenty times as much as they should. It's just this bizarre situation and there, apparently there were these uh, because the Gillette products were so expensive these other companies sprang up such as Harry's Harry's I think is one that came up and then Dollar Shave Club which at one point were uh, kind of the similar things that were much much cheaper but then apparently those prices got jacked up perhaps I don't know all the way to Gillette levels but it's weird because there's a town in New Jersey called Gillette and then there's that magician Pen Gillette, but he has a J instead of a G. Gillette. Anyway, um, so I started doing research, and there's a couple that are cheaper. There's like a Bic, you know, flick your Bic. Bic, they have pens and lighters, and they have uh, a, a shaving with five blades. You know, because remember Mach 3 had three blades, and now the, now there's the five blade systems. I don't think I've used the five-blade system yet. Well, I am going to soon. Um, so I started looking, and I'm like, you know, and, and so what I had left over was um, some of those individual, the full razor that's just disposable, including the handle. I had a few of those from years ago, so I've been using those, and those are kind of crappy. You know, I actually brought those on my trip. They're kind of crappy. They're not great. And uh, so when I started looking at it, like, should I get the Bic one? Like, I don't know. I, I want to get the best one. So I started looking, and the Gillette Pro Glide is, like, their top level. And they even have, like, three variants within the Pro level, even powered handles that vibrate. I'm like, listen, I do not want a vibrating handle for my razor. It's not necessary. I really – could that possibly do anything? Reminds me of those powered toothbrushes, you know. Is it a gimmick or does it really do something? Anyway, I got the Gillette Pro Glide here. So here's the handle. It's weird. It's like a little, yeah, yeah. It has like, it has like a little spring action thing on on there. This looks kind of. I don't know if this is going to last. It's like this is just the handle for Gillette Pro Glide. Let's see. And then I, I have the actual razors that come in a little plastic uh, container here. But these are, these have five blades instead of three. So you you, you push it in and to pick it up. Right? Is this is this going to work? There we go. Yeah, there we go. Look, a whole new shaving system. I think perhaps even more than however good or bad it is, at least it's different. Uh, it's something new. The love of the new has a whole. This this handle has a whole different look. All right. Well, I'm gonna go take a shower. I'm gonna shave. I'm gonna uh, try this new uh, Gillette Pro Glide and see how good it is. It's uh, hopefully it'll be good. I, I I would imagine it should be good. Cost an arm and a leg, but you know, I always felt like like with with the Mach Three, like the first sh shave you had with the ver uh, with a brand new one that you hadn't used before was so smooth, and then of course it starts dulling immediately. These are these are metal blades. Why is it immediately they start to get dull? <laughs> I know planned obsolescence. All right.
But I read a lot of people, a lot of guys saying that they um, they just go back to use the old uh, safety razors, you know, which is uh, that classic look razor blade that you just put inside and single blade and shaving with a. Apparently, those razor blades cost about five cents each, and uh, you know it's the same technology that people were using like a hundred years ago, I think. And they say that can be pretty good as well, but I don't know. I want to. I want to try the best. Proglide. The Proglide system. So I'm going to try it out here. It's actually. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. Five blades are better than three. Then it has that strip of whatever, strip of lubricant or something. I'll let you know how it works out. All right, I shaved. Uh, yeah, it was actually very good. It was amazing. I mean, it was just one day's growth, and I think the real test will be like four or five days' growth, which happens sometimes. It's a bit tougher, but it was very smooth. Well, as you might expect from the first use. Uh, but it was really nice. It was a very good shave. And um, I had uh, a bunch of junk in the drawer in the, in the bathroom. Those old, those ones I talked about that were the handles built in. I don't know which one was new, which one was old. I think they all were used. And plus, a lot of times with the Mach 3, you know, uh, when a razor was done, I didn't really want to throw it in the trash because I didn't want the cats to get at this razor blade. So there's just a bunch of old ones in there. So I'm like, I just got to clear out this drawer with all this old junk. And I thought, you know what would have been the perfect bag uh, to use for such a thing would be those old plastic supermarket bags that, you know, New Jersey banned supermarkets from giving out those single-use plastic bags a year or two ago. Um, so I'm like, that would have been the perfect thing. Just chuck everything in there, then chuck the bag in the trash. And then I realized there's a big pile of stuff in our living room that was for the um, for the garage, the townwide garage sale that two weeks ago was canceled due to rain. And then we were going to do it on Sunday, but of course we couldn't because of uh, the situation, Denise's injury. And um, so I realized I saw in the pile of stuff was the old. I I had all of our we, we saved all of our supermarket bags. Because they're very useful, you know, and uh, they were in a big cardboard box, hundreds of them. So it was easily accessible. I said to reach over the, the comfy chair and grab so, grab one of those old uh, plastic bags from the supermarket. And it was perfect for gathering the old shaving products to chuck out in the trash. I'm telling you, it was a perfect moment. I'm like, yes, remnants from the early 2020s supermarket bags. And, of course, whenever I go to, like, I think you go to Pennsylvania, they still give them out. I'm like, yes, civilization. I want plastic bags. I don't want to bring my own bag crap. But even though it's really not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You know, it's not a big deal at all. Uh, everyone was saying, oh, my God, what are people going to do? They have no bags at the supermarket. What everyone, you know, a lot of people wind up doing is they buy the you know, multi-use bag because they, they forgot their other bags. And it's just ruining the – I think these bag laws probably is ruining the environment more than it's helping it. But – isn't it always that way? The bureaucrats. They think they're helping, but they're actually hurting. You see what I'm saying? Listening uh, to this band, Galliano, a band that I 
never really knew anything about. They did not show up here in, on the U.S. shores. They're from Britain. Looks like their first album was from 1991, and they uh, had a few albums in the 90s. Very 90s uh, sound. This called They call them a uh, an acid jazz band. And um, there's, there's a little clip I play on the other side from uh, Glastonbury Festival in 1994. Let's see if I can find it. That mentions Galliano. So I've always meant to listen to them, but it's pretty good stuff. I mean, they have some political and religious uh, content in the songs, it seems, but that shouldn't necessarily take away from the music. Because that, that sound, that like the song I was just listening to there, this is uh, coming on strong from their album In Pursuit of the 13th Note. Sorry. Yeah. This almost reminds me a little bit of um, a band from a similar time period. Remember Urban Dance Squad? Urban Dance Squad. No Kid. What's that song, No Kid? This is No Kid. Let's see if we can find that. A Deeper Shade of Soul. No Kid. Let's see, No Kid. That's the song. Deeper Shade of Soul is good, too. It was uh, was it Dave Kendall from 120 Minutes? For a second, you saw him there. Well, so played this like Alice in Wonderland, mellow. I must have seen this on 120 Minutes. I think they're from the Netherlands or Belgium or something. Netherlands. This would have been '89, yeah. Good stuff, right? I had this uh, on cassette. <sighs> yeah, so you can see that it seems to be a slight connection there, right? Why do you keep resetting? Using the uh, art form of uh, musical form of rap in a way that's not as uh, you know what it became. Say no more. You know it became very much more boastful and violent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know what I'm saying. Around this time, late '80s, early '90s, there was rap was being used in lots of different ways. But yeah, I want, let me see if I can find that clip from Galliano. Though I want to hear Urban Dance Club too. <laughs> Good, really good stuff. Pop music, pop music has crap jams. Yeah, f f pop music. Everyone was always talking about how they hated pop music back then, but they were kind of pop music. It's kind of funny. Then there was that band, Pop Will Eat Itself. Yes, they were pretty good too. P W E I from around the same time, I suppose. Something was going on circa 1990 in the year or two before and after with music yeah I found it it's a short clip Katie Puckrick who was uh, one of those American celebrities in Britain who's completely unknown in America but is a celebrity in Britain uh, kind of an interesting phenomenon and she was on that show The Word on Channel 4 which I never saw when it was first on but the clips of it are uh, quite nice but here's the clip I'm talking about Hold on, we have to watch an ad first. Hey, listen, it's my birthday. Don't want, don't want to get ad free on my birthday. I guess not. That was Galliano on 
little bit earlier in the festival, complete with Pet Dragon weaving its way through the crowd. Now, the Glastonbury hairdo has to be long matted dreadlocks. But Mark here is sporting a different option. This We're talking the molded plastic this is the hair. Practical, the practical option. It is the practical option. That. Now, Mark, I understood that you weren't coming to the festival this year. What well, gives? See, last year I said, why would you go to a festival if you could stay at home and watch a cinema? Well, the point is, this year, Portishead, they made a film, they sent the film to the festival, then they came to the festival to watch the film they made play in the, a field. The, and, and no, the they, field no, they came the, to the, the festival, the came, and then the band the, went to the, the thing. With the, no. I think the band came. Now, what is this, uh, what is this Portishead movie? You know, I was I was listening to Portishead uh, the other day. Uh, so many of the bands from back then, the music has aged well, like a fine wine. But I don't know if Portishead's music is really quite. It doesn't sound quite as good. I don't think it was. I think it was a little gimmicky. I don't know. I, I don't really like Portishead. And when my wife and I combined our CD collections in the '90s, when we got married and moved in together, that was one of the CDs we both had. Uh, was Sour Times by Portishead. Yeah. But what is this pet dragon concept? Uh, I don't, this is... That was Galliano a little bit earlier in the festival, complete with pet dragon weaving its way through the crowd. Now, what what is pet? What is the pet dragon? Because I, I actually found footage of Galliano performing at Glastonbury Festival in 1994. I guess I have to watch it more closely. Maybe someone just had like a one of those Chinese dragon kind of things they use in parades. But a pet dragon. I, I just don't know the context for that. I really don't. Anyway, I'm listening to Galliano today. Where's my Galliano music? Through the wall, pump a dub bass line. Power on the air with the sunshine. Then a bell from Mr. Constantine. Aloha. Aloha. So anyway, I was thinking about um, birthday recordings in the past, and I remembered going down to uh, the basement of Maui Tacos, right around the corner from the Empire State Building, uh, to have a birthday lunch by myself in that depressing basement. And I found the episode. It's uh, The Overnight Escape 632 uh, from, uh, I guess I released it on October 12th, 2007, but I, I guess I was... That's weird. I I would have. I, I guess it was recordings from before then. Did I used to do that? I think I probably did. Um... Here's a part I think where I'm referencing my birthday. So I was 40 in 2007. That was 16 years ago. Oh, and the, there's the corridor of losers. Nice. I thought I was really old when I back then. Little did I know how young I was. Video games, and computers, and Star Wars, and everything. Um, you know, and the always puzzling uh, phenomenon of reaching puberty and. You know, Very puzzling like, indeed, yes, Frank. Girls and all those kind of things. Of course, that was a really, you know, awkward. Um, it was a really awkward time. I mean, when I, when I was younger, I, I had behavior problems in school, so I was put in sort of a special class, emotionally disturbed class. I had to take the short bus and stuff. Yeah, that was tough. Ooh, they're putting new posters in at the uh, corridor here. Evian is out, and the Manhattan Verizon Yellow Pages is in. Ads for the Yellow Pages, dear God. Here's some sad music. I am 40. Yes, I am. Hey, try 56, Frank. Jesus. Lament to a life wasted thus far. No, no. no come on. <laughs> no. Very sad. That could be the name of that song, though. That's a very sad song. 
that guy, all, like, all the songs that guy plays are Yeah, there's this Chinese guy playing this this fiddle kind of thing, and it's a stringed instrument, and it's just such sad sounds. <laughs> but, uh, what was I saying? 16 years ago. The whole, uh, yes. You know, the whole I want to see if we can find the part where I'm in the Maui Tacos basement. Very awkward indeed. I still am awkward. All right, I think I fast-forwarded here, so I just went to a Complete Strategist, which is still there, right around the corner from Maui Tacos, which of course is long gone, of course. Let's see, I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Can you imagine? I have actual recordings of all this stuff. Instead, it's not just in memory. There's actually audio recordings. This is me from 16 years ago. So soon I should be in Maui Taco because I'm talking about dice at this point. Now we go to Maui Taco. Now we go to Maui Taco. I'll get a little Albion audio going in there. I don't know. I'll stop it and you know, whatever. I love Maui Taco. This is where uh, Michael Moore was that one time in that movie. Let's check this place. I totally forget that, but yeah, I guess he was in. They said he was trapped in Maui Tacos. That slips my mind at this point. I, it, sound inside Maui Tacos from 2007. Very historic. Okay, I ordered my food. Got a little drinky here. Some Barks root beer. I decided not to do the mix of the root beer and the lemonade like I did last time. Root beer, nice. Here is uh, root beer and lemonade, two flavors that kind of don't go well together. That is a font I know, and, and, and it's, it's an ITC font, and I got to remember what it is. Arecibo? I don't know what it is. No, that's not it. I know the font, though. So, uh... I, I know the font I'm talking about. I can't remember the name of it, though. Something's never changed. Uh, and, um, you know, and then the woman behind the counter is like, uh, that's, that's vegetarian, you know. Is that okay? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Very rarely do you ever get that, you know. Have they actually had people order it? Now? Haiku wet. Yeah, that's what I got. I can't eat this. There's no meat in it. <laughs> I wasn't vegan at that point. I was just a vegetarian, so I ate cheese and stuff. So Made things a lot easier. Their, their theming here has gotten a little bit, a little bit less... Uh, let's say involved. They have a little. Oh, this was this is okay. Like a little wooden bird. There's just a couple of random seashells over here. Then there's a giant Sony flat screen TV that's off. Then we have postcards. Here's one. It's the Mid Pacific Carnival, Honolulu, February 21st through 25th, 1916. Kind of an old style poster uh, postcard. Then we have. 251, Pal Riders, Hawaiian style of riding, annual floral parade, the princes of Hawaii. So it's a couple old postcards like... Uh, I'm getting some real uh, good descriptions of what's going on in here. Let's see. If, uh, it takes a while to get this food made, you know. It takes a little while. So... There's a couple surfboards up on the wall there. What else do we got? More wooden birds... Yes, the font is Arriba, not Arecibo, but Arriba. Arriba, Arriba, yes. That's the font I was talking about, Arriba. That's really cool, that's good theming. You know, 
and people are sitting at the bar just eating their, their food. Ares, what's Arecibo, though? More surfboards. So it's kind of a mix of uh, whatever. kind of a cool logo. It's like a oh, weird that's a kind of, that's kind of a cool font. That's more of like a techno techno font. International. That's kind of a weird, like a '60s looking freaky logo. Is that, do they make mine yet? I don't know. No, there's nothing there. Costa Azul International. The Blue Coast. Costa Azul. That's kind of one of the, I like that, like in in, uh, in Spanish, you know, you have, you have different words that are like, you know, like kind of similar, but then you have things like blue is azul. I like, I love azul. That's really cool. Azul. Azul. Both words are good for the color blue, like blue, azul. I know that we have the word azure, which is sort of related to... Yeah, that must be a similar etymology, right? I like azul. Good point, Frank. So, this is my birthday lunch. See? 40 and 56 merging together October 3rd Solo Solo <laughs> I don't care uh, Alright we'll stop for now and I'll have my lunch Yes <coughs> That was quite good yeah, I'm going to skip the comic store for now uh, oh, I, I could have sworn I recorded in the basement there but there's a show art in the show art of um, one of uh, episode 632. You see my lunch there and a little bit of the table. So you can see the lunch I had there. The haiku wet. It's kind of a burrito, but it's surrounded by like cheese and stuff. So it's wet on the outside. You have to use a, the plastic uh, knife and the plastic fork to eat it. <clears throat> Very depressing. In a good way, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, I found a video the other day that uh, was kind of interesting. Uh, the Overwatch League, uh, which was a uh, sports league, they, you know, you know, they try to do esports like um, they they try to do it like actual teams, like with the names and the logos and stuff. So, for example, um, what was the Overwatch League teams? It was like the New York Excelsior. Hold on, let me find it here. You know, I, I always was a fan of... Um, hold on, let me try to find it here. Yeah, so like the... Uh, why can't I find the names? Yeah, the Atlanta Rain, Boston Uprising, Dallas Fuel, Florida Mayhem, who won what turned out to be the final uh, league finals. Houston Outlaws, London Spitfire, the Los Angeles Gladiators, you know, these kind of names, Paris Eternal. And they sold all sorts of T-shirts and, and things. And then uh, in the game itself, this is a, um, a game where you play as a character. It used to be six-on-six, six, now it's five-on-five, five, these sort of superhero-like characters that battle each other on these really beautifully rendered maps. In fact, there's a, the next map coming up soon is, is in uh, Samoa, which looks like it's going to be really cool. I kind of stopped playing the game. Because um, when they released Overwatch 2, they kind of made it less interesting for me. But anyway, I was always a fan of the uh, Florida Mayhem before they changed their colors. They used to have yellow and red. Now now it's like a pink color, pink and blue. But So I have some very rare original skins of uh, I have Moira, Junkrat, and uh, Lucio in the old, the old uh, legacy colors. Um, 
so they really tried to make it into a thing, you know, like you would watch it on TV, like people watch football or baseball or whatever. But apparently it's not been doing very well. And apparently just the other day, the, um, the, the, at the Overwatch League Grand Finals, which was a couple days ago, it was uh, the end. They they knew that uh, so so or Zoe is uh, this woman who's like one of the announcers. And I've I've seen her. She's one of the announcers. I've seen I've watched a few uh, broadcasts of Overwatch League uh, as I do play the game, and I've seen it once or twice. Uh, but she gave this uh, this uh, really passionate um, final speech. And, it, every, and there's everyone standing around who works on the Overwatch League because it's finished now. It's shutting down. It's done. You know, uh, they, they're saying something may be coming in the future, but the Overwatch League as we know it. But I thought this was very, uh, very moving in a way. So check this audio out. The end of the Overwatch League. And here's Zoe. And just like that, the 2023 season is coming to an end. And we get to look back at six incredible, unforgettable years. It's really impossible to express the emotions that all of you out there and us here on the desk are feeling right now, but I will give it a try. I currently feel an insane, an immense sense of gratitude, love and pride thinking of the heroes behind the scenes who have shaped and built the Overwatch League. You all make this so much more than just a competition. This was not just a show, all right? This was a shared dream that was uniting us across borders, languages, and differences. It was the hard work and the commitment of everyone out there, which was bringing Everyone's crying. the teams and the fans alike the best possible experience. Each and every There's show a cool and owl shirt. has been nothing short of remarkable. And to my broadcast family, right here with me on stage, and everyone who joined us in the past as well, your voices have guided us through the ups and downs, through all the action, the past six years. Just thank you. Your talent, your love, and your passion has made this an unforgettable journey for us all. And you out there, the fans, your cheers, your tears, the unwavering support, you were the lifeblood. Some mayhem fans. You made this so much more than just a sign. Thanks community. for the memories. This was family. You are incredible, and we want to thank you so much for every single moment you shared with us. And of course, our teams. You all embodied sportsmanship. You were dedication. You taught us resilience and teamwork through victories and defeats. And now that we close this chapter, I think we should all just look back at it and remember the moments that took our breath away. We have to remember the friendships we got to form and the lessons that we learned. So from all of us, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being a part of this incredible journey. It's been an honor, a privilege, and a joy to share this experience with all of you. Thank you so much. Very moving. Very, very. She was very impassioned. Very passionate about it. I mean, the whole th- the whole thing was, uh, you know, basically watching people play video a video game. But yeah, wow. A lot of people. A lot of comments on this. No, okay, we don't need to hear that again. A lot of comments on here. People are are very moved by this. It's over. The Overwatch League is over.
Well, yeah, I mean, they really kind of screwed up Overwatch with Overwatch 2, as I mentioned, you know, going from 6 on 6 to 5 on 5. And then I, I paid for it like everyone else. Overwatch 1, you had to pay for. And they're like, you'll get all the heroes for free. In Overwatch 2, you don't get the heroes for free. You have to pay for them. And, oh, it's not Overwatch 1 anymore. It's Overwatch 2 now. So that's just one of the many things in their reward track. Every, every, you know, there were these uh, loot boxes that were super controversial. But you would get loot boxes that had random stuff in them, cosmetics and in-game currency. But you'd get it no matter what. Like if you played, you'd slowly accrue uh, uh, experience points, and then eventually you'd get a loot box, you know, whatever kind of crate they called it. And um, everyone was like, oh, this is like gambling. This sucks. Loot boxes suck. So they're like, hold my beer. Okay, we'll get rid of loot boxes. And now we have the uh, experience rewards track, which is 100 times worse. You know, so sometimes sometimes it's better to stick with what, you know, the devil you know in a way because <laughs> they replaced it with something much worse in my opinion. Yeah, it's a little bit later on now. I'm on the porch. It's actually a beautiful day out here. So uh, last week when I went into the city, I, I, I went to the little store in the lobby and I got these crackers, uh, Lakey. L-A-I-K-I. I, I, I guess you can pronounce it likey or lakey. Likey. I like it, these crackers. But I, I, I prefer to pronounce it lakey. Do they, do they have a pronunciation? <laughs> they do have a pronunciation. L-Y-K-E-Y. Likey. Likey. Okay, so it's supposed to be likey, not lakey. I want to say lakey, damn it. All right, likey. Uh, this is uh, they were so good. I ordered I I ordered a, a couple on uh, on Amazon. More more birthday presents to myself, I guess. I didn't realize I wound up getting this huge box full of like twelve packs of this stuff. It's crazy. But I got the black rice with sea salt. Likey rice crackers, black rice with sea salt, and. Uh, you know the packaging shows some images of them, and it says enlarged to show texture. Do they still really need to do that? Because I, I understand that uh, someone sued a food company for you know when they bought the package. There's this picture of the cr- like the cracker or whatever on the front. But when they open it up, the actual product is smaller. So they sued them. They thought they were getting the exact same size as on the picture. So now everyone has to put enlarged to show texture. I guess they can't just say enlarged because why are you enlarging it? Well, we want to show the texture so people can understand the texture of their buying. What does it say here? Oh, on the bottom it says, life's better with a little crunch. And in French, it's la vie est tellement plus agréable avec un peu de croustillant. Jeez, it's a tough one. So few ingredients, so much crunch. Contains whole grain black rice, palm fruit oil, and sea salt. Hey, that's pretty good. Indulge your taste buds with the delectable flavor of likey crackers. With just a few ingredients, our delicate and airy crackers have an unexpected, satisfying crunch. It's a comforting, guilt-free, whole grain offering from likey to you. Use with hummus, sliced cheese, salads, or soups. Black rice, an ancient grain superfood, source of fiber, was once reserved for royalty. 
follow us and discover the great story of Likey Crackers at hashtag Likey Crackers. Great. And they have the uh, Twitter symbol on there along with Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Instagram. I guess they haven't updated it to X yet. <laughs> All these poor companies, they have that little bird logo. Now it's X. Let's see how these are. Hopefully they're as good as I remember. I bought a bunch of them. It's the kind of package where you rip off the top, but then there's a Ziploc seal in there. Oh, yeah, look. Damn. The ones printed on the box are about twice as big. Texture looks a little different, too. Mm. I know palm fruit has been kind of... Is that the one that's been kind of controversial? Because they, they clear-cut all these forests and to p- plant that stuff? I don't know. No, it's really good. Yeah. I really don't like heavily flavored snacks. I like snacks that have actual flavor without having to add flavor. So these are really good. Pretty addictive. Mmm. Mmm. Sorry about all the chewing noises. Yum yum. Reseal it. That's helpful. All right. Well, to wash that down, I got a drink here. I normally don't have soft drinks, but I do have a Pepsi here. Um. And I was so happy to see. This is actually in the hospital on uh, Saturday. I assumed everything everything seemed to be closed. Uh, uh, everything seemed to be closed on the weekend, and uh, but there's a little cafeteria open, and uh, they had some Pepsi. And I noticed the first time ever. I noticed the new logo. As you know, in was it 2008, maybe. Yeah, I think it was 2008. It was that long ago. Pepsi changed their logo to that despicable, curvy, uneven piece of crap logo that has bothered me ever since. Really, one of the worst logos in history, in my opinion. It just bothered me every time I saw it. It just sort of, listen, I'm not like, I don't drink Pepsi every day, whatever, but I'm very sensitive to logos and stuff. And Pepsi had some great logos in the past. Amazing logos. And they just took a wrong turn with this one. And, uh, you know, I, I, one of the commentaries I read is Pepsi always had a strong logo. And that one with the lowercase weird sans serif letters and the sort of uneven curves, uh, it seemed very weak, a very weak logo. So uh, a few months ago, Pepsi announced that they were bringing back a logo, a new logo, but it was much more in line with previous logos. In fact, they kind of synthesized a lot of the aspects of the older logos into the new one. And whereas I would say that I don't know that the new logo is 100% as good as some of the older ones, especially that, that 70s logo. The 70s logo, I think, was one of their strongest ones. You know, they have the kind of the yin-yang thing going on. Um, and I will agree that the, the more the later 80s and 90s ones were kind of 
going in the wrong direction. But this one is a nice uh, thick sans serif. Again, a little bit, the P's have a weird angle to them, and the I has an angle at the top. Anyway, this is so much better than the one that, that was there. And uh, it just looks good. It looks like it kind of was all, it, it was, looks like Pepsi. And uh, in the hospital, they only had Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, and Pepsi Zero Sugar. This is now regular Pepsi, an actual just regular Pepsi with the new logo. I'm, I, I can't tell you how happy I am that that old logo is going away. And I was in the supermarket the other day, and um, on the supermarket shelves, it was half old logo, half new logo. So it's definitely the transition period now. But I don't know. When's the last time I had an actual Pepsi? What was that song? I just want a Pepsi. I'm not crazy. Institution. You're the, ones that, you're the one that's crazy. Institution. Remember that song? It's on the Repo Man soundtrack. Yeah, not bad. This is full of high fructose corn syrup. Not a very healthy drink, but... Mmm. As an occasional treat, I can dig it. Just look at that bottle. Ah, uh, no more of that horrible logo. Oh, God, that logo was so horrible. Yeah, this one's good. It's good. It feels strong. It feels Pepsi. And it feels like a mistake that's been going on since 2008 has not been corrected. <laughs> oh, nice. Hello. Anyway, uh... Something else that I bought myself. It, I, I didn't realize I was buying myself so many things. I guess it was for my birthday. I don't know. Um, I have uh, Stimags. Stimags? I think I guess you pronounce it Stimags. Stimulating magnet? Stimags? I don't know. I don't remember where I saw this, but this is like a fidget toy. And uh, it's these little plastic cylinders with magnets embedded in them. And uh, there's you get 12... And this is, each one's about an inch high, and, uh, you know, they stick together. But there's surprisingly a lot you can do with these, and I've been really enjoying these a lot. Um, and what really convinced me is they had these new fall colors, and they have the color called squash, which is sort of a dark yellowish color, which is pretty much my favorite color. It's like a dark yellow. And uh, so that convinced me to buy this. So... Um, even without looking at any sort of online references, I've been able to do so much stuff. Like you can form them into a circle. It fits around my thumb perfectly. Um, there's so many different shapes you can make with these uh, Stimags. There's sort of an infinity sign on one side and S-T-I-M-A-G-Z printed on the other side of each of these little... Yeah, each one is completely independent, but they all stick together. And, you know, you can make just a, a long stick out of them, which I guess is about a foot long because it's an inch long for each one approximately and uh you know it's really fun to play with i wonder where, i do wonder where i heard about it i don't know maybe it came up on my feed or an ad on facebook or something um and they sort of it's weird because as you're fiddling with them they sort of they want to go in certain directions you know if they're not oriented correctly you know they well look almost like a monolith kind of shape a rectangle two by four 
Yeah, it, this is a rather surprising, uh, very fun little item. And I guess the company used to be called Stimags, but they changed the name to Stimara, so S-T-I-M-A-R-A, Stimara.com. Uh, you've tried the rest. Are you ready for the best? Unlike most fidget or stim toys available online, Stimara stim tools are made for you. Stimags are carefully constructed using high-quality materials to provide the perfect blend of physical and cognitive stimulation. Work with your brain, not against it. Channel your focus. ADHD-slash-autistic brains need a certain base level of stimulation in order to focus. Stimags are the perfect tool to meet that base level and bring forth your best self. So I guess, yeah, there's a whole thing, there's a whole, like, I don't know where it is on here. Like the, uh, like the people in the company are all uh, neurodivergent individuals. Yeah, they're part of the neurodivergent community. Um, so they changed their name, yeah, to Stamara. Our vision for Stamara is crystal clear, to become the definitive shop f for all things neurodivergent support. ND owned and operated. Stamara isn't just a company, it's a reflection of its people. Every member of our team identifies as neurodivergent, ensuring our products are created from a place of genuine understanding and empathy. We design with our own needs in mind, confident that they will resonate with yours. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I'm not sure if I would be considered neurodivergent. I know I, my, the way I think is a little different. I think, di what, what was that? Think different? What was that? Apple. I think different. But anyway, I love these things. So I don't think you need to be uh, self-identify as neurodivergent to enjoy these things. These are great. Um, was it 30, 30 something bucks for them? But they're, they're really well made. I mean, it's like you can tell that they're, they're uh, the quality of these things is better than average and yeah it's, it's always surprising I'm making all sorts of new shapes with them and I love this kind of stuff <laughs> little fiddle toys maybe I'm neurodivergent I don't know I don't know all these labels that people have for themselves but they do mean things right labels mean things whoa <laughs> yeah sometimes it just it, it just kind of feels like it wants to go into a big line I think there's numerous magnets inside each one of these pieces, but I love the color though, the squash color. That's the color for me. I guess you might also call it like a butterscotch kind of color. Yeah. Oh, look, I didn't see that shape before. Stimags or Stimags? 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 Why are all these products that are hard to pronounce? Lakey or Likey? Stimags? Stimags? Well, Stim is stimulation and magnet. Stimags. Stimags or Stimags? Stimags. Maybe st maybe Stimags is the right way. Stimags. I like that better than Stimags. Stimags. Do they have the pronunciation on here? I don't know. I don't know. Let me see how much these cost. I forget, I forget how much they cost. Do -do -do. Yeah, they have a lovely green, orange, like a, like a cranberry. Yeah, it's like 30 bucks. For 12, you know. Considering the quality, I think it's not a bad price. I would recommend it. And they kind of look like sort of something in, like industrial, like from a 
like the construction industry or something because like i remember we used to play with uh construction items that my father had like those really great remember they used to have those uh wooden rulers that you would like uh fold out we had a couple of those as kids we loved those and then also the little flint thing that you would light a uh welding torch with we had those as kids that we really liked <laughs> see construction tools can be great toys not that these are construction tools but they kind of if you saw this it doesn't look like a toy it just it looks like something from some sort of weird an industry kind of thing right the way it's designed especially this color i dig it stimags wow they have 1050 reviews wow I love these magnets so much. I have a handful of different fidget toys, but these are my favorite. I take them everywhere. I use them often, watching TV, driving with one hand. Well, I don't know if you could use it by, while driving, actually. <laughs> you need to focus on your driving. I keep them in my pocket all day. They help me pay attention in class. Whoa. They just dropped. No, they didn't drop on the ground, thankfully. Um... But I, I do have this sort of lingering fear of magnets ne next to, like, hard drives or phones or credit cards. So I'm very careful where I put them. I don't want them ruining my uh, credit cards, even though the credit cards use chips now and not the magnetic strip as much. I still don't know if they could damage electronics because they're magnets. I guess there's really not much mo magnetic media being used anymore. <laughs> I'm afraid they're going to they're gonna wipe my floppy disks, you know what I'm saying? Uh, talking about fun and games, I did want to give you a brief uh, Flea Devil Solitaire update. Flea Devil Solitaire, my solitaire game that I've been developing on this show for 17 years now. <laughs> it seems almost ridiculous how long it's taken to develop this solitaire game, but it just keeps getting better and better. I think we, I think it may have arrived. As you know, uh, was it last month? I had a huge, huge uh, breakthrough with Flea Devil Solitaire. Still playing with these things. Can't stop playing with them. Okay, there's a really cool shape I made with them. It was like like a weird archway. Yeah, yeah. I put four in a row, and then the other two sets of four are next to each other, and then you put one on each side, and then it forms like this weird little archway, like a little architectural thing. Yay, there we go. I like yeah, I like that shape. It looks like some sort of Roman columns or something. Anyway. Um, so last month, the biggest change ever in uh, um, Flea Devil Solitaire with the addition of the parking lots and using 56 cards instead of uh, 55. Two zonkers and two parking lots in addition to the regular 52 cards. So the zonkers are represented by the two jokers you'll get in most card decks. And then, of course, the two additional junk cards are the parking lots. This has expanded the game so much, uh, but I, it was a bit out of balance. So um, I decided... I, so the variant that I've been playing recently is Zonkers block flea hops, but parking lots don't. And this, I think, is the right balance. And the game, I think, has really... This could be it. This could be the final set of rules for Flea Devil Solitaire, and I've been just loving it. And it's still a great challenge to get to 1,000 points. And uh, I had one game recently that was 996 points. So anyway, I'm going to keep playtesting, and I playtest it constantly. I have my upstairs deck, my downstairs deck. 
I find the best deck to play Flea Devil Solitaire is the uh, Theory 11 Beatles deck. That perfectly because like especially those those two extra junk cards if those have the same backs as the rest of the cards that's like perfect they don't need to though it doesn't really matter the parking lots work no matter what anyway there's your flea devil solitaire update with that one change in rules because the last time i talked to you parking lots did block flea hops but now they don't and i think we got the balance right and let's take a look at today's show art those that cluster around keyholes what kind of a title is that? <coughs> Let me see what's going on here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, look at that. Uh, the, today's episode is called Those That Cluster Around Keyholes. And um, for the artwork, I used the font. It's on uh, the Google fonts. It's one of those open source fonts called Pirata One. It's kind of a has a little bit of a gothic or black letter vibe to it. I really like that font. Um, so it's kind of a dark gold color, and then uh, so the overnight skates at the top and the Ansa Radio logos at the bottom, and then there's a, a rectangle of white with black type that says "Those that cluster around keyholes." So what does this mean? I really love this this show hard, by the way. Um, so the story behind this title, which. Well, let's just talk about the title. Uh, what, w- what would be those that cluster around keyholes? I mean, uh, I, g- I suppose when you think about that, you'd first think about in the past, uh, when you had a key on a door, you could actually look through the keyhole and see into the room, right? And the keyhole had that shape, which is sort of like if you took a triangle and a circle and kind of circle at the top and kind of a long triangle at the bottom, that's a keyhole shape, right? that you could actually look through and, and, like, spy on people. So those that cluster around keyholes, is that all of us watching all these reality shows and w- looking at the celebrity and political news, and right? But I also think that I prefer to think of it also in terms of, um, as I sort of alluded to in the beginning, sort of spiritual guidance in the dark that uh, we want answers, we want the keys to understand what's going on in this world, the world that we're living in, that we don't understand this world, right? So we're people that are looking for answers, spiritual answers are sort of clustering around keyholes as well. So um, I love the I love the phrase, those that cluster around keyholes. But uh, where it came from, I was just writing some personal notes and I was talking about, you know, uh there's this set of ideas that I can't seem to get away from, but I think I'm starting to be able to get away from these ideas. Uh, and I referred to them as, as the ideas, uh, the ideas, especially those that cluster around Night Station, uh, which is uh, a set of ideas that has sort of haunted me for a long time. And one of my theories is that, you know, in terms of divergent different kind of divergent, divergent uh, timelines that uh, there could be different versions of me doing different projects in different timelines and that this uh, stuff I'm talking about, like this, uh, these knife station ideas, could be something that I'm involved with in a different timeline, but not in this timeline, so it might be better if I can just let go of that connection. But not to really worry about that topic, the phrase, those that cluster around night station, really kind of 
resonant. I'm like, that's a cool phrase. But I don't want to keep harping on Night Station and show titles and stuff. I want to get away from it, actually. So, um, uh, one uh, game I got on my phone recently is called Ovoid. Not like an egg-like shape, as you're thinking. It's O-V-O-I-D, Ovoid. Let me see if I can get the sound going on this. This is quite a game. It's kind of like uh, it's a tough game too. It's uh, let me turn the sound on here. I usually don't play with the sound on. I was actually playing this. You know, I was in the hospital and stuff. You know, with my wife. So this is a game, a brutally difficult uh, sort of platforming game, but it's all done in a circle, right? And you're just a little square, and you just the only control is to jump. And uh, so it has these uh, sort of concentric circles and little platforms and stuff. And in fact, it does wind up forming shapes that are reminiscent of the original Overnightscape logo, which was from my original Obliviana logo, the, the Batwings logo. Uh, but similarly, towards the center, a keyhole type of shape, which I just smashed into, uh, a keyhole shape is often seen, right? And I just sort of noticed that and didn't really think that much about it, but the keyhole shape. See, level one is at least tolerable in terms of difficulty. Here in this game here. I, you know, it's one of those free-to-play games that you can pay money to turn off the ads, which I did because it's such a good game. I like this game, even though it's tough. So yeah, there's a lot of those keyhole shapes. Again, the circle and the triangle. That's just a good way of describing the shape. Keyholes are not like that anymore, but it's the old style keyhole that the symbol still is very potent symbolically. Let's see if we can get a high score here. The, high, the score is just based on the number of seconds you can stay alive. Yeah, it reminds me of a BitTrip Runner. And in fact, uh, there's a new version, a BitTrip Rerunner I got recently. Just brutally difficult platforming games where you just have to jump and stuff. React. Come on, let's go. Doing good. Need to get a high score. This is only level one, though. So, oh, I blew it. I only survived 60 seconds. My best score is 101 seconds. Wow. So then... Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I was looking at this a copy of uh, Masquerade by Kit Williams that I have. It was from my parents' house, and we got into it just like everyone else did, this treasure hunt back in the late 70s. This artist, Kit Williams, created this book, and if you figured out the clues, you could find this buried treasure. And I've talked about this quite a bit on the show, and... Uh, I kind of forgotten. He made another book after that, which was sort of had had a like a beehive kind of thing on the front, and it was untitled. And the the contest was to figure out the title of the book. I don't think we got that one. And then this guy Kit Williams kind of receded from the public eye and kind of disappeared, kind of like a uh, was Bill Watterson, the guy that did Calvin and Hobbes, even though he just did something recently. I think a lot of people when they when they reach that level of success, they get really uncomfortable with it and they sort of recede. Oh, Bill Watterson with Calvin and Hobbes. I mean, he was like, he was doing it, I guess, a daily comic for so many years, and he just sort of, like, quit it. People were upset, though, because they love Calvin and Hobbes so much. 
But Kit Williams, yeah, I guess he just sort of vanished. And um, I guess it was the uh, 40th anniversary of Masquerade. I guess I'm still playing with these stimags. Uh, the BBC, I think, approached him and uh, did a documentary about what he's been doing since. And he's been producing these incredible paintings um, and then selling them to people locally. I don't. He doesn't even like. You can't even buy prints of them or anything. It's like it's just like uh, beautiful images. You, the newer ones have like naked women and all these poses with these symbolic images. And but there's a lot of keyholes and the, and there's. I was watching the documentaries on YouTube. Uh, I think it's it's from a long time ago now, 2018 or something. Maybe I don't know. Maybe even earlier than that. Um but a lot of keyholes and I'm like wait a minute all the keyholes in Ovoid and in the Kit Williams documentary so I wrote down keyholes and I'm like wait a minute those that cluster around Night Station how about those that cluster around keyholes yes that's where it all came from and that font I'm usually looking up different fonts that font is the one that I was researching right around that time so it all just came together it all came together for today's Show art, those that cluster around keyholes. Anyway, I, w- I went to pick up the prescription. At the pharmacy, they had a, uh, they had like these uh, little banners, each with a letter on it. And uh, I, it said like flush knot. I'm like, oh, flush knot. It's like, uh, I remember. Our neighbor was telling the story about how um, there was a septic system and it was a healthcare facility, and they told them don't flush any medications down the toilets because they'll go to the septic system and those medications will kill all of the uh, the good germs that are in the septic tank. So don't flush, flush not, right? Like do not flush these drugs down the toilet because it'll mess everything up. So I was so confused. I'm like, what? Wait, what? Flush not. So this like pharmacy at this drugstore is like they're telling people I guess not to flush their drugs down the toilet if they're if they don't need them anymore. Like that's weird. Like is it is it really that big of a problem? Like an I can understand a septic tank, but you know, if it's just you know, like a like a public sewer, I don't know, is it that really that I'm sure they have some some you know, contingencies in place to deal with all the crap people flush down their toilet, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, obviously, actual crap, actual feces, but other things too, like drugs and stuff. Can't they? They, they, they can test like sewer water to see like the diseases people have and stuff. It's really kind of, well, you know what I'm saying. So I'm like, flush not. Like, is it? That's weird. Like, is it? Like, is it? And then I'm like, wait a minute, flush. Oh, it's not flush not. It's flush ot. Like over the counter OTC, like flush ot. Flush OT, because it because the H kind of looks like an N if you look if you just glance at it like flush not, flush hot, like if you look at the H twice right flush. So what is this about flushing flush OT? So what is OT? Maybe OT is one of these diseases. Flush that disease down the toilet. Flush OT. But OT is like occupational therapy, so that's like a good thing. Flush OT. And then, of course, I realized I was being an idiot. It said flu shot. (laughs) But there was no space between flu and shot. 
They should have put a little space there because it wouldn't confuse people like me. Flu shot, not flush not. <laughs> it was flush though, flu shot, F-L-U-S-H-O-T, flu shot. And here I thought it said flush not. Flush not thy drugs down thy toilet. So last week, before all this stuff happened, there was a moment where we had some uh, ravioli. My wife had made some ravioli with tomato sauce, and it was in the fridge. I just had to heat it up. And, you know, I've been watching that uh, Star Trek show. We, 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 got, we reactivated Paramount Plus. has all the Star Trek shows on it. I mean, I've been so – I thought all these Star Trek shows were horrible. Discovery and Picard were just some of the worst shows I've ever seen. So I saw, I think, the first episode of Strange New Worlds, which is uh, another series, a modern Star Trek series, takes place on the Starship Enterprise, but before the original series. In fact, it's based on the pilot, which has uh, Captain Pike and not Captain Kirk, right? Um, so I think I saw the first episode, and it was all right. But as I've been watching this, I'm still in the first season. It is so good. It really is remarkable it's like as good it's getting to be as good as like regular star trek from the past it's surprisingly good so uh there's just this one moment i'm like i'm gonna have i'm like i have ravioli and star trek (laughs) it was like the perfect moment i have raviolis and i'm gonna watch star trek ravioli and star trek it's like pure indulgence yeah but, um, yeah, the show is no joke. It's really good. You know, and it has Spock and Uhura as characters from, you know, different actors playing them, obviously, than Leonard Nimoy and Michelle Nichols. But um, but none of the other, you know, crew members. Oh, no, they have Nurse Chapels in it, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's really good. And the guy playing Spock is is really good. You know, like when he was in the other shows, he had the beard and stuff. It was just he was just like annoying me. But now he's he's really good. And the sexual tension between him and Nurse Chapel is is quite good. Um, anyway, I was I I have to say I'm impressed. I have to say I mean I've been lamenting these horrible. And apparently, Discovery still going. I thought Discovery was a despicable show, horrible. Did not deserve to be in the mentioned in the same breath as any other Star Trek show. Is you know. I really feel like Next Gen and uh, Deep Space Nine are the pinnacle of the se- of of all of Star Trek. You know, my in my own personal opinion, even though I started off watching original series because, you know, it was <laughs> believe me as a kid in the seventies before Star Wars, there wasn't much to watch in terms of science fiction. You know, so when Star Trek came out, of course you watched it. Everyone watched Star Trek, right? But I do think. Uh, uh, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine is uh, they they are superior to the original series. Voyager, I'm not so sure, and I mean I like Voyager and I like Enterprise, you know, but the movies, the movies, I don't think ever. I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any of the movies in a long time. I know, I know, it's sort of like uh, Wrath of Khan. It's considered the best. That was a good movie, but yeah, the movies. It's more of a TV thing than a movie thing. I think Star Trek, but oh, and one of the characters is a a descendant of Khan Noonien Singh. Right? Because uh 
I guess they were frozen and sent to that planet because there was right. Khan was a a villain in the the original series, right? And then they I guess they were frozen. That's how this one character is descended from Khan because he's already frozen on a ship somewhere. Then they put him on that planet. This is City Alpha 6 or whatever the name of the planet was. The Enterprise dropped them off, but it turned, off to be this, turned out to be this really shitty planet. That's why Khan had his wrath against Kirk. Yeah. Anyway. So that's, that was surprising, and uh, you can eat ravioli and watch it, and it'll be like a wonderful moment. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like that... Um, the Chef Boyardee ravioli in a can, but it sort of had that kind of like childhood comfort vibe to it anyway. You know what I'm talking about. Like SpaghettiOs. Oodles and oodles of O's, you know. You get it from a sister. You get them from a bro. The old quote. Anyway, um, that's some good rap too. From 91. Another uh, TV show, streaming show, that uh, my brother mentioned to me is Gen V, G-E-N space V, and it's an offshoot or spinoff of The Boys, which is uh, that very uh, violent, gore-gory (laughs) superhero show. But The Boys is actually pretty well written. It sort of, you know, takes the superhero tropes and examines, you know, kind of like so many other things have, like what if there was a Justice League but they were just like scumbags or whatever. I think The Boys is a pretty good show. And also Peace, Peacemaker uh, on the DC side also was a good show in the same vein. I wonder whatever happened to that show. Anyway, uh, this is sort of like it takes place in the universe of, of The Boys and it's at a uh, sort of a superhero college. And I don't know why these stations are doing it now. This is Amazon Prime. They don't release it all at once. They release three episodes and you're going to wait week by week to watch it. Oh, that's kind of like uh, Star Wars. In fact, uh, I think the Ahsoka season finale is tonight at 9 p.m. Ahsoka's been very good, too. See, sometimes as bad as some of the uh, so many of the Star Wars uh, TV shows have been, Ahsoka's pretty good. It's very good. I do like Ahsoka. See? Sometimes they do a good job. <laughs> anyway, uh... Yeah, Gen V is actually very good. It's uh, I, I was a little skeptical at first, but it actually uh, sort of drew me in, and now I, I can't wait to see more episodes of it. It's well written, you know, which is you know very rare these days. I know all those writers went on strike for such a long time, and now they're I guess the strike's over. There's a few good ones out there. <laughs> a few. So yeah, Gen V, not bad, not bad at all. I'm listening to a, a new album. I moved on from uh, Galliano to Stephen Wilson. And uh, he is a progressive rock musician. He was the guy behind Porcupine Tree many years ago. And I was into one of their albums. Never a huge fan of Porcupine Tree or Stephen Wilson's solo stuff, but he does a ton of remixes. Uh, for example, um, Gentle Giant remixes, Jethro Tull, right? Not just not just remasters, but remixes, right? Um, so this is a brand new album. It just came out uh, September 29th, so a few days ago. It's called The Harmony Codex. 
and uh, really good stuff. I'm really liking it. He sort of always defies people's expectations uh, for what they're looking for in new progressive rock music. So his albums are always very controversial. Um, but I just I, it's about an hour, four minutes long. So I've been, really been enjoying this one. This song's called Impossible Tightrope. It's uh, 10 minutes and 44 seconds long. There was a video for this a few months ago that I remember watching. Um, yeah, it's really, this is a really good album. All sorts of stuff going on. I don't know why he rubs some people the wrong way with his progressive rock. <laughs> um, but I thought what was really interesting is there's a song here called Beautiful Scarecrow, right? And uh, it reminded me of a character I created named uh, Beauty Straw. <coughs> um, I created uh, something called Antebellum. <laughs> not really understanding what the word meant back then. It's not a good word. It means uh, pre-war South, before the war, anti-before-bellum war. Uh, unfortunate name, but I created this uh, concept. It was like for a video game that never really became anything. And let me turn that off. So here's this song, Beautiful Scarecrow. So I created Beauty Straw, who was herself a beautiful scarecrow. Right? And I never heard anyone else talk about a beautiful scarecrow before. Beauty Straw, my character from Antebellum. And uh, it's, it's all about all these superheroes in New Jersey. And um, scarecrow was one type of superhero, like weird, you know, like magically animated scarecrow beings. Beauty Straw. Yeah, that was in the very first uh, issue of A Soul Week, my uh, my easing of a, a, a Oblivion of Super Occult Amusement, my project before, uh, you know, On Sog Radio. Wow, <laughs> this is wild stuff. This is a good song, Beauty, Beauty Straw, Beautiful Scarecrow, that is. I think, I think some people are hung up on the, uh, you know, adding electronic music in with traditional rock music. I have no problem with that. I like that. I dig it. Beautiful Scarecrow. Sounds like a good song to me. Are there lyrics on this one, or is it just like an instrumental? Or... Pull off my no. legs. Pull off my wings. I like it. I'm going to keep listening. So, I, yes, I moved on from Galliano to, uh, to Stephen Wilson. I want to see what like all of his remixes. What what does he remix? He's remixed a lot of stuff. Like he he gets his hands on the original multi-track recordings and like rebuilds it. So yeah, a lot of uh, yeah, a lot a lot of Jethro Tull, Emerson Lake and Palmer, some Yes, Chicago. Oh, he even remixed a uh, uh, Tarkus by ELP. It's a good one. It's about this weird armadillo, techno, te- techno organic uh, giant tank. It's a part armadillo, part tank called Tarkus. Yeah, he remixed uh, A by uh, Jethro Tull. That's actually a good album, you know? I need to get more, a little more into Jethro Tull. This was going to be an Ian Anderson uh, solo album, but it became a Jethro Tull album. I really like this song. I like this song a lot. 
but tons of Gentle Giant. In fact, a three-piece suite, he had, from the first three albums, he wasn't able to get his hands on all the uh, multi-tracks. So I'm sure as AI continues on, you'll be able to tease out the multi-tracks from a, a mixed version. All this AI stuff. Please figure out how to take all the scratches out of the music from uh, the early 1920s and before. That's something AI can do. Yeah, a lot of Jethro Tull stuff. How about this one? You know this. Really don't mind if you sit this one out. Really don't mind if you sit this one out. Thick as a brick, of course. 40th anniversary spectacular. Special edition. Sounds a little different, right? The remix. Your sperm's in the gutter, damn it. The hell? So you ride yourself over the fields. Make all the animal deals. Your wise men don't know how it feels. To be thick as a brick. This is considered one of the best progressive rock albums ever. Let's let's see where where it is on the uh, the charts right now on progarchives.com. I know a lot of people don't even know what progressive rock is. It's a very important form of music. Let's see top prog albums of all time. Didn't I just talk about this recently? I think it's Brooks number five. Number five. Just to recap, number one, I know we talked about this recently. What was I talking about? What album was I talking about? Oh, I was talking about uh, Vandergraaf Generator. That's right, yeah. I have to get back to them. Um, Close to the Edge by Yes from 72 is number one. Selling England by the Pound by Genesis, number two. Wish You Were Here, Pink Floyd, 75, number three. Court of the Crimson King, King Crimson, 69, number four. And number five, Jethro Tull, Thick as a Brick, 1972. But yeah, Gentle Giant, the first one on the list is number 25 in a glass house from 73. That's, they should, that should be much higher. And plus, what, what's the next Gentle Giant? Octopus is number 39. And Power of the Glory is number 43. Freehand is number 54. Acquiring the Taste, number 60. Yeah, they, they should be higher. And I, you know, I, don't know, I don't know if Glass House should be number one. I mean, Octopus or uh, Proclamation, uh, not um, Power and the Glory, but... Is, is Glass House the one that has that song that makes me remember an alternate lifetime? Let me see. But yeah, I mean, I, I know most people listening probably never heard of Gentle Giant, and it really is the best band you never heard of. I mean, they are just the best. Really. Is this the one? Uh, hold on. Is it free? No, no. Let me see. Let me see. I think it is, it is in a Glass House. Runaway is the, is the song that... Yeah, this is the song. This song makes me remember. That's from the album. I didn't just drop something. This song. I must have listened to this song in an alternate reality. I'm thinking the one where I went to college in Minnesota. And uh, music, I think, has the power to transcend timelines. Man. 
and then the part where it starts and when the guitar comes in that's where I sort of remember working in a pizzeria in an alternate dimension this part just coming up coming up this part right here coming up this part this part yeah I can kind of remember that pizzeria in the other dimension, yeah. I did not know this album in the least until just a couple years ago in this timeline. All right, enough of that commercial music. Yeah, but I, I mean, it was just another timeline. It wasn't, there was nothing exotic about it. It was just Minnesota, but a slightly different timeline where I went to college in Minnesota, somehow got a job at a pizzeria. Where would the pizzeria have been? Uh, let me see. I, I, I can kind of see that layout of the pizzeria slightly in, in my mind's eye. Uh, excuse me. Northfield, Minnesota. Let's see. Do, do, do. Let's see. Northfield. So I'm, I'm thinking I probably had a roommate that was that was into this kind of music and was into Gentle Giant amazingly somehow. Okay, so just to the south of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Okay. I mean, it, that was a long time ago. That would have been 85, 86-ish. Uh, yeah, but it's, where would we get? Let's look at uh, pizza, pizza places. There's got to be a lot of pizza places near the college, right? I mean, Brick Oven Bakery, Il Triunfo. Yeah, there's a lot of pizza places. Crossing a bridge, that somehow feels right. Brick oven bakery, let's see. Eh, that looks like, yeah, I don't know, that's a good one. Be- Basil's Pizza. I mean, obviously this is how many years later, 40 years later? 40 years later? 40? Not quite 40, almost not quite, I'm not that old. 30, 38 years later, yes. El Triunfo. This looks, this looks promising. It looks like a crappy little... Yeah. I'm not saying crappy, but okay. Okay, okay. This uh, there's some inside shots. This could be it. El, El Triunfo Market and Restaurant. This could be it. Or it worked in the other dimension. It's like kind of a depressing crappy place. It's very snowy and Listen, this is probably not the place, but it's this kind of it was this kind of place that I worked in. It would have been 85, 86-ish, that kind of time period, yeah. But that other me is out there somewhere, right? Maybe talking about this reality. Thinking of the other timeline where I actually went to Drew University instead of Carleton College. You know what I'm saying? So wait, yeah, there's this main this main drag here. Yeah, yeah. So is there a bridge? Hmm. Yeah, 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 there's like a little river. I think it would have been over the bridge, yeah. Yeah. 
feels like that, yeah. Of course, there's no proof to it. It could all just be in my imagination, but I did a few songs, and then there's also a Tangerine Dream song, Force Majeure, that... And then one other uh, Gentle Giant song that kind of gives me this access to... Uh, yeah. What is this? The highway's called Hiawatha Pioneer Trail? What? Hiawatha. Well, there's, a, there's a song, Hiawatha, from uh, Mike Oldfield's Incantations, another really good progressive rock. Where's Mike Oldfield on this list? Please. Amadon, number 52. I think Amadon deserves to be a bit higher on the list, don't you? Please. That's it. That's the only one that's on the list. On the, people are, how are they? Anti-Mike Oldfield? How about Tubular Bells, for God's sakes? Or, or, or Amarok, for God's sakes? It's not right. It's not right. Yeah. Um, in other news, the MSG Sphere opened in Las Vegas with a concert by U2, a band that I'm uh, not, I'm particularly not fond of. I don't want anything to do with U2, but I saw some clips. And is this like a longer clip? Due to complaints that it makes you look this like is a not. This is an ad alone. for Patagonia. Okay, pit. great. Thank you. So it's this. You're inside this giant sphere. Almost makes me think of Spaceship Earth from Epcot, but this is bigger than that. A gigantic sphere. Unfortunately, it's you too, but it it's the entire interior of the sphere is video screens. Please, you too. Freaking. Wow, it looks really amazing. But what was the footage I saw where it was like, uh, it looked more, it looked better. It was like this whole like sky filled with these weird animals and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, look at this. Like it's, it's showing, that's <laughs> kind of cool. It's video of what you would see if the sphere wasn't there and you were just looking around a Vegas. Yeah, yeah, like this is like you're you're outside in a desert. Oh, it's so cool looking. Forget the music. This MSG sphere is amazing looking. Everyone's wondering if Fish is gonna play there. <laughs> With or without you, you're like on the ocean. There's a giant sphere on the ocean. That is wild. And some people are talking about, oh yeah, this is the thing. That, yes, this thing I saw with all the weird animals in the sky, yeah. That's amazing. Look at that. Yeah. I, I mean, the possibilities of something like this. And that sort of shows that virtual reality doesn't have to be like with goggles. It can be on video all around you. But anyway, when Fish plays there, really want to go see them. I'm sure they will play there eventually. MSG Sphere, baby. It's the place to be. It's going to come out of the porch here, have a little bit of Love Froig 16, the delicious liquid. Very expensive scotch. Love Froig 16 years old. It's a beautiful day out here. But of course, we have the twin leaf blowers across the street. I'm telling you, that town, uh, Montclair, not too far from here, banned those leaf blowers. I guess they completely bland, banned them. What are people going to do with their leaves? I guess they're going to have to go back to raking them or something. Do you people ever hear of a rake? 
I remember raking was a big thing back when I was growing up. You would rake the leaves, and then little kids would like jump in the the pile of leaves. But is it does that really provide a lot of good cushioning? Really, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Well, every kid did it though, or hid inside the pile of leaves. Well, areas that have such leaves. I know people living in certain environments in the world, they don't have these, like, dead leaves. Yeah, they have to gather up. What would happen if you just left them there? Like, is, is anything bad happens if uh, you, like, you don't rake up the leaves or blow the leaves if they're just there? I know you don't want them on, like, the road surface or whatever, but... Like, on the ground, is it okay to have leaves? I mean, why do you got to get rid of them? The tree that the leaves came from, ex the le where did the hell do these leaves come from? The tree is an amazing piece of biotechnology that extracts material from the earth, from the ground, and transforms it chemically, physically, into leaves. And those leaves then fall back to the ground where they came from. But you can't leave them there. You have to get rid of them. Gather them up, put them on the curb, and take them away. Won't eventually all the raw material be gone if you keep doing that? Supposedly. But I got my Lefroig here, just a little bit. Mm, it's five o'clock somewhere, maybe even here. Beautiful liquid. Mm. It's a single malt scotch, if you don't know. Aged 16 years. It's delicious. Oh yeah, I also ordered uh, Veggie Heaven. <coughs> They're on Grubhub. They're not on the other ones. Veggie Heaven is, uh, yeah, up in Upper Montclair. It's a great place. I used to go pick it up, but now you can just get it delivered. So why bother going there when you get it delivered? <coughs> it's a uh, vegan Chinese food. It's just been there forever. It's been there ever since, like, you know. I think they used to use the term vegetarian, but it is vegan. They don't use any any dairy or animal products or anything. Pretty popular place. I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't even notice. That it's vegan. Indeed. Mmm, Lafroig. It's almost like every sip of Lafroig is a different, slightly different. Medicinal, seaweedy, salty. Vegetal. Those dual uh, leaf blowers are quite a sound. Kind of reminds me, like as a kid, did you ever do this? Like, if 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 you and your like brother or sister, go, I think you have to go in like a closet or something, and then start screaming at the top of your lungs. I know this doesn't sound good, but we discovered that. It, you get these weird harmonics. It's very hard to describe, but you st like you ah, and in that space, there's this harmonic thing that happens, and it's like woo, woo, woo. this is weird thing. I wonder if you could oh, capture that in audio, like if you had a recorder. I wonder if I ever did it on my tape recorder. I don't think so. It's like let's try that thing where we scream in the closet. It was very. And it, it, I know that sounds terrible. There's some sort of horrible thing going on, but no, it was just. An acoustic exploration, right? Yeah. Very sunny over here. Very loud. Why is my relaxing porch scotch break not, not, not what I wanted it to be? 
blaring sound and sunlight. I like that that one theory of alternate realities that or alternate timelines where the sun used to be more yellow, but now it's just a blaring white. Do kids still draw the sun as yellow? Yeah. Maybe. Well, cartoon suns are still yellow. Like, do they still have that cartoon sun for uh, Raisin Bran character? Raisin Bran. I haven't really thought about Raisin Bran in a while. <laughs> that was pretty good. I don't know. Raisins and Bran Flakes. It was all right. And they had this sun character, Mr. Sunny or something. Eat more raisins and bread. I'm Mr. Sun. Can we find this raisin bran? We have to talk about raisin bran now. Like, why can't they just put, like, just blatantly put grapes in there instead of, you know what I mean? Just, just like, throw grapes in instead of uh, raisins, which are de dehydrated grapes. Grape bran. Well, they have grape nuts, but there's no grapes in it for some reason. Remember grape nuts? Like, where the hell are the grapes? Grape nuts? The hell kind of cereal is that? Or, like, product 19? Get out of here with that stuff. I don't think kids are even into cereal anymore. It's not as important as it was when I... How many leaves do they need to blow? This is getting ridiculous. What the hell are they blowing over there? Get out of here. Raisin bran. Do-do-do. It's going to be a relief when it stops, though, right? Sun character. Sun mascot. There we go. Forget tigers, frogs, and birds. Kellogg's raised the bar on cereal mascots. When 1966, when it introduced the center of the solar system as its new mascot for the Raisin Bran cereal. Smiling animated son called Sonny. Does he have a voice? Let me see. Raisin Bran Sonny commercial. Let's see. Raisin. Raisin. Uh, excuse me. We, we even had a parody version of that in our Anything But Monday magazine. It was like a uh, anthropomorphic... It was like getting to know your anthropomorphic pals, and it was like an anthropomorphic son character based on that character. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Okay, here's one that looks kind of old. It's good. Now here's some news about Kellogg's Raisin Bran. Today, more juicy tasting raisins and... We take plump juicy That's the voice of the... sun ripened grapes. That's my scoop. Then frock them with sugar and mix with bran flakes. Hey, I'm the newscaster. <laughs> now Kellogg's Raisin Bran has more raisins than ever. They're juicy and sweeter, too. Kellogg's Raisin Bran. Newest raisin bran under the sun. Wish I'd sung that. That was Sonny's voice. Here's another sunny voice. Hello there, I'm the sun. Uh-oh, you're shooting a monster with a machine gun? The hell kind of crap is that? Who can count all the raisins in Kellogg's Raisin Bran? I can. We take juicy ripe grapes from under the sun. 
Turn them to raisins one by one. Yellow and orange, not white. You missed me. Me too. Are frosted with sugar and mixed with bran flakes. Kellogg's Raisin Bran, the raisiniest bran under the sun. There's only one in me. Kellogg's puts more in your morning. More raisins. My raisins on the sun. Oh, here's a 1950s Raisin Bran commercial from before, uh... My name is Maisie the Raisin And my name is Jake the Flake Oh, what a sweet combination we make Known to the world as post Raisin Bran Flakes Alright, how about a Raisin Bran commercial from, uh, Family Guy? Try post Raisin Bran Made with raisins, which are grapes that have been dried in the sun for a long period of time And Bran hard outer layers of cereal grain. Along with germ, it is an integral part of whole grains. When you eat raisin bran, it fills your stomach and keeps you from feeling the sensation of hunger. Hunger being pangs in the belly as a result of lack of nourishment, thereby sending signals to your brain telling you, Hey, I'm hungry. And when you hear Mr. Hey, I'm hungry, be sure to have a hearty bowl of post-raisin bran. Again, made with raisins are grapes that have been dried in the sun for a long period of time. And bran, the hard outer layers of cereal grain. Along with germ, it is an integral part of whole grains. Alright, I get it, damn it. I get, I get, I get. Okay, stop. Why can I stop it? I lost it. I get it. Enough of that crap. Okay, here is a commercial uh, with the sun from 2021. Let's see how it's developed. Kellogg's combine crunchy oak clusters with a touch of honey, plump, juicy raisins, and tasty fiber into one delicious cereal? It took a lot of brand storming. Get it? Kellogg's Raisin Crunch. Delicious. That's the new voice of the sun. Two scoops of... I like the old one. That's kind of like this. Yeah, all right. Well, the uh, noise is gone, but the sun is very blaring. Let me try to go to the backyard and try to have the rest of my my drink here in peace from the sun. Is there any, is there any escape from the sun? I will sit in the shadow of my car. No, over here there's a shadow of the neighbor's house. Ooh. This spider is still here. It's a big spider with a web. It had been here for a while. Enduring lots of rain and everything. Patiently killing other insects. I saw it grab like a little wasp or something. Ah, here's a nice little seat I can sit in in my backyard. And here's some leaves. I should blow them. <laughs> I don't have a leaf blower though, though my yard, my yard guys do. I have yard guys. It was a present from my in-laws when we moved in to have like a month of yard service. And then we just kept doing it because I'm like, they're doing the yard work and all you have to do is give them some money and then I don't have to do it. (laughs) I know, some people like doing yard work. I used to love mowing the lawn on the riding mower at my parents' house. It was kind of therapeutic. But there's other forms of therapy I can do now. <laughs> like doing this show is my therapy. I don't need to mow the lawn. What was that quote Opie and Anthony used to play? How'd you like to mow my lawn? Hmm? Some caddy shack or something? 
I know a lot of people obsess on that movie Caddyshack. Maybe we should watch it again. I don't know. There's a lot of other stuff to watch, like uh, Star Wars tonight, as I mentioned, Ahsoka. It's on tonight, the finale. See what's going to happen. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted to talk about a, an idea. I, I don't know. I thought about it again. Uh, let's call it wandertainment for this point. We'll call it a frivol, just an idea that's not going to go any further than a, a, the idea phase. I know I talked about this before, but it... Is feel, and this, this is one of those ideas that cluster around Night Station that I'm trying to de-emphasize in my mind. You know, wherever they're coming from, maybe in that other Minneapolis reality, like I, I, I did this kind of stuff instead of doing like a radio kind of thing. But in this reality, I need to just sort of let go of all this stuff. It's not easy, though. There's these overtones or these uh, perceptions in the mind but uh, Wandertainment, I'm using this term. I, I actually used that term in an ad I put in Wired Magazine back in the 90s as my uh, Area Obliviana uh, text Wandertainment system. So I, I did establish my use of the term Wandertainment. Other people have used it. They also use Wondertainment, <laughs> but I used Wandertainment. The same way I, I had a, a publication called Forge of Wander. And then when I Google it, the people have Forge of Wonder. But anyway, Wandertainment. In this case, I've talked about this idea in the past, but it's... um. Let's just explore this idea a little bit. The idea is that... Based on locations, right? You can go somewhere, go see a movie, go to an escape room, go to a video game arcade, go play miniature golf, right? It's basically going to a location and uh, participating in a essentially a ritual, right? I, I know the word is very charged with religious meaning, but just a ritual, right? To go through a ritual. Uh, going to see a movie is a very... The hell kind of insect is that? Holy shit. The hell kind of insect is that? It has this weird reddish body and these wings and... Oh, my God. Let me see if I can take a picture of that. <laughs> it just crawled up on, my, on the table here. Trying to get a picture before it flies away. I can I can use the subreddit "What insect is this?" to kind of. Oh man, I'm getting some good pictures of this sucker. The hell is this? Oh, it's running! It's, it, I ran away. Okay, I got some good pictures though. Damn, that's a freaking weird insect. It's some weird little mutated creep. I know, it can't help what it is, or can it? <laughs> I don't know what kind of bug that was. Out here in nature. Do I have any scotch left? I have a little tiny bit of scotch left. Let me have a tiny sip so I don't finish it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. I was in a barrel in Scotland for 16 years, for God's sakes. Why, why am I talking like the sun? Hi there, I'm the sun. I use my searing heat rays to dis- to shrivel grapes into raisins. So, the idea of entertainment is a kind of a um, it would consist of a kind of a structure. It would be a kind of a physical item 
that has kind of a pole with a particular symbol at the top. You know, um, it would be a specific kind of symbol. Like, you know, when I went to Venice, uh, they have the gondolas have this particular like, kind of curved, comb-like kind of symbol at the front of the gondolas. You know, you, if you look it up, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm not sure exactly what the symbol would be, but it would sort of represent wandertainment. Uh, maybe a W of some sort, maybe like a pitchfork or something. <laughs> That's very devilish, though. Um, but you know what I'm saying? It would be like a tower, a pole, or something with this kind of topper on it. How's that for a topper? Lidsville reference. Charles Nelson Riley. Excuse me, sorry. So it would be a... Uh, I know this is not making much sense. It would be essentially like a table with a with a pole coming out of it um, with a certain symbol at the top, sort of in physical form, you know. And what it would be is, and if you saw one of these at a location, you could it would basically tell you what to do, right? And I think that um, the form of this would be that you would have a little, a little card, like a sort of the size of a business card or an index card or something like that, that uh, there would be some way of marking using that station, the Wandertainment station, with that symbol on it. Uh, it could be one of those hole punchers that have different shapes in it, you know, like you, you know, like you used to have on the trains. They may still have it on the trains. Like every day they had a different, a different shape, like a star, an oval, right, right a cross to punch the ticket so you know it's legitimate so someone just didn't punch it at home uh, also uh, stamps like ink, ink based uh, stamps but it would be attached on like on a chain to this uh, station right I guess you'd need a chain only if people were untrustworthy that they were going to steal it but so the idea is you could mark your card and uh, in any pl- area there would be a, uh, an instruction for what to do, uh, the most simple one would be how to get to the next station, right? So you might have an area, like a park, where you'd have a bunch of these stations. And I don't know if anyone's ever done anything like this. It sound, I do think there's been some things like this, Wandertainment. But the idea is that you would go and it would say, maybe give you clues, travel in this direction, look for something yellow and turn left. And it would give you just, there'd be written, there'd be a sign written on it on like how to get to the next one or maybe several different ones. Um, so then you'd go and try to find the next station and uh, do a hole punch or a, a stamp or emboss or whatever kind of thing you could do to your little card. And the idea is that these cards would then represent the adventures that you had using this Wandertainment system. The idea that you could even do this in a closed space, an enclosed space, um, even inside a room, for example, you could have... Uh, more detailed instructions like sit in the third chair for 20 minutes would be, and then you could go to the next one something like that is this making any sense that it just sort of seems like it's a way of overlaying like a ritual system again using the term ritual in a not in any kind of religious fashion but just in the way we normally have rituals I remember Starbucks had a in one season had a uh, a uh, 
slogan like the power of ritual because definitely Starbucks and drinking coffee is a ritual, right? It's a, a, sequ- a series of moves, a series of actions that you can somewhat anticipate and then you know you're going to go through it and then you go through it and then you're done, right? So the idea of Wandertainment is that it would be a generalized system with a symbol that would be on a, a stick, a, a pole, a tower kind of thing, and then uh, instructions on what to do, right? And even, like I said, in a single room, you could have, say, three or four of these stations, but it could be talking about, you know, like I said, different sorts of, uh, you know, play a game of checkers in the middle of the room with your friend and then then move on to the next one. It would be like a series of um, instructions of what to do. And it could sort of add so much to a space, right? It, it could be something that where you could, uh, either you'd have your own cards or they'd provide the cards and then y- the cards would become like part of your own collection, your own, you'd have an album of these cards that you collect, the experiences that you had with this. And this, of course, is very similar to my Obliviana idea, as I mentioned earlier, the Obliviana Super Occult Amusement concept, which was similar in the sense that it had cards that had different actions on them but I think that Wandertainment is is much more about um, the idea of uh, (coughs) these stations that would be in a location and again I'm not advocating that this should be done I'm simply stating the idea as a frivol that is frivol meaning that um it is, a, it is an idea that is satisfied, it's manifest by simply stating the idea, as opposed to having to do anything further with it. And I also sort of feel like my own personal relationship with these ideas is that they're coming from some other place, they're coming from some other timeline or dimension or something that they don't really belong here, but they do sort of beset my mind. So I just by speaking about them, it kind of helps get them out of my, my mind. I'm out of my mind <laughs> with ideas. Anyway, that's the wandertainment concept. And I know I described it before in some ways as well. Um, It's a good idea for another place in time. Not this one. Not this one. I I don't think that it's it's needed in this one for whatever reason. There's many other worlds out there, in theory, that have all sorts of fun things to do. We have a lot of fun things to do in this reality, too, such as finish the scotch. Hmm. Delicious. I've, I've run into so many people that when you say the word scotch, they're, they're, they're like, ugh, scotch. Because they're thinking of that, like, Johnny Walker Red or something that they got drunk on in college or high school. It, 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 you know, and it's just not the same stuff. This stuff is intense and delicious and amazing. Not something to sit and get drunk off your ass on, but just to appreciate the aesthetics of. It's a flavor that no one really knows where it came from. It, it's it's malted, malted barley essentially, right? Barley seeds that are allowed to begin to germinate, and then they stop it from come becoming a barley plant, and then that is then mashed up and uh, 
allowed to ferment, right? There's all sorts. It's the chemicals of life. I mean, whiskey itself, doesn't that mean the water of life? Like I was talking about with trees somehow transforming matter from dirt into leaves and wood and everything else, you know. What is, you know, malted, malting is just, you know, you've seen a seed and it starts to become a plant. But then you stop it in its tracks, I think, by heating it. But what happened chemically in there is very complex. It's malt, right? An airplane. Uh, And then putting it in a barrel and letting it sit there for 16 years where it's sort of interacting with the air around it. Oh, yeah, and they also they, they cook it with peat, which is what, kind of a moss or something? peat they burn they burn this moss and they heat the malt and malted barley and all all sorts of stuff but the flavor where does the flavor come from it just it's chemical reactions and time and energy and space and so much stuff so much energy energy Keyholes. It's later on now. The sun is down. It's early dusk. Yeah, the veggie heaven came. I got some uh, some sushi, like an avocado roll. It was pretty good. Not the best. I mean, that's not their specialty, but <coughs> it was uh, it was all right. It was good. So I'm pretty confused by uh, Bleach, the anime, uh, manga and anime series. I uh, I was uh, I guess watching the uh, anime of Bleach, very popular Japanese animation and uh, and comic series. Years ago, um, I remember doing the anime and then. When it ran out, I switched to the manga, and uh, and I know the pronunciation, anime, anime, manga, manga. I don't know. I just feel more comfortable saying anime and manga. When it... So I've, I've, this has happened quite a bit when you're watching the an animated version, and then you catch up. Usually the, the manga is still going, and so I switched over to the manga, and I finished it. I thought I got to the end. This was years ago. Maybe like 2012 or something. And I thought Bleach was done. It's over. So then recently, you know, there's that, uh, there's a bunch of websites that just, they have like every anime series ever for free. It's like this huge piracy thing. It's amazing. Anawave, I think is the latest name of it. They keep changing their name. It was something else before. There's so many of them. So I saw that, uh, Bleach Thousand Year Blood War was like a new series. So I'm like, oh, this is a new thing. So I was watching it, and I just caught up to the end of, I guess, the latest se- uh, season. Um, the premise of this show is uh, that there's these uh, Grim Reapers or like Death God Shinigami, and uh, this guy Ichigo Kurosaki is sort of the protagonist of the series. And. Uh, there's uh you know there's the real world the the world of the living there's a soul society 
where the Shinigami uh, are from, and then there's Huecomundo, which is like where the more like I don't know if they're evil beings or whatever. And then there's these uh, kind of German characters called uh, Quincy's. It's a whole thing. It's very much like a superhero kind of saga in a way. Different characters have different powers and stuff. Anyway, so I was watching this this new series. It was brand new. I, I thought there was a new anime, but then it ran out. So I I, sw- I went over to the manga again, and I found the manga goes much further than this series. And I'm reading now. I'm like way past the end of the anime that just ended the other day. And the chapters I'm reading are from like 2015. So I don't did it end or did it not end? There's this whole additional story that I had no awareness of. I, I'm so confused. So confused. But I, I mean I'm I'm reading through it now. Uh it's very good. I mean, you know, it's like uh the leader of the Quincy's, what's his name? And he's like he killed like sort of like God or the, this God guy, uh the Soul King and spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so confused of Bleach, but it's uh, it's good, though. Yeah, I mean, it, at one point, there were three big um, shonen anime. Is that what they call a shonen? Uh, Bleach and uh, Naruto and uh, One Piece. One Piece is still going. Naruto, there was Naruto, Naruto Shippuden, and then and now Boruto, the next generation. Uh, one Piece is the pirate one, and uh, you know Naruto is the ninja one. They just had that live-action One Piece on Netflix, which, uh, you know, I talked about. It was well done, but it felt kind of unnecessary, perhaps. It was well done, though, as a live-action version of an anime. Uh, I mean, it sort of begs the question, why? If you're gonna put, it, it already exists as a motion picture, motion images. It's a cartoon, though. If you're going to spend all those resources hiring actors and building sets and stuff, why not make something new? I know. People are just plumb out of ideas. They have to keep recy- recycling and reusing things. Yeah, I don't think Bleach really ever got that popular here in the U.S. I don't know. Does anyone else know Bleach? I don't know. I like it, though. Weird. What else am I watching? I'm, I, yeah, I sort of trying to trying to get back to watching uh, the Peter Davidson years, the Fifth Doctor series, early '80s. Tegan and Nissa and um, Adric are the companions right now. I know Turlo's coming soon, <laughs> and I'm at uh, Earth Earthshock or something. I have that downloaded, and also I'm trying to watch more James Bond movies. The Star Trek. I have so much stuff I'm watching all at the same time. Very disorganized in terms of watching stuff. <coughs> crickets. You hear the crickets in the distance. I don't know if you can hear it. Crickets. Sensitivity of the microphone. Holding it at arm's length. You still hear me? I think you can. This is a weird audio situation here. Whoa. 
No. Hello. I can even whisper at arm's length and you can still hear me. Uh-oh, car. Woo. Too much. It's too much. Too loud for my ears. Monk's quote. <coughs> Pussy glory is coming down. We like it. We don't like the atomic bomb. Indeed. Hello. Hmm. Neighbor walking down the street. What do you have here? A candle from Yankee Candle. Luxurious cashmere. What is cashmere? Is that like... It does. I mean, it smells like clothing or something. <laughs> Laundry detergent. Cashmere. Not cashmere like like the Led Zeppelin cashmere. The other cashmere. I'll let the sun beat down upon my face. Going to cashmere. Good song, right? Overplayed, or maybe it's most people don't even know it now these days. Zeppelin may be unknown to so many people. It's all there for them to explore and discover. What was my favorite Zeppelin song recently? It was In the Light. You know that song? And if you feel like you can't go on in the light stuff how um physical graffiti what an album what an amazing album yeah 56 years but is it 56 years like if you if you think about it the th theory of that other timeline for example just one other timeline if i also exist in that timeline and let's say it branched off when I was like 18. You can do the math. Uh, it'd be 18, 56 minus 18 times 2 plus 18. Sounds like a pretty big number. <laughs> like if I've been living both lives, you see what I'm saying? Let me, let me do some math. All right, I did the math. So if I lived the first 18 years as one timeline and then it split between the Carlton branch and the whatever branch, the Madison branch, right? The Drew branch, where I went to college, and then I've lived both lives another up to fifty-six years old. That would be nine. That means I'm ninety-four years old. I've lived ninety-four years. Now that's only assuming that it was only those two splits. But if there, I mean, obviously, if you can have one split, you could have multiple splits, and then. Could this have been thousands of years already as as Frank Edward Nora, you know, considering all these different timelines and stuff. What the hell kind of airplane is that? Let me go take a look. It's weird. Let me look on the app and see what plane that is going by. Where's the app? Every time you open this app, it's like, would you like to subscribe to this app? 
No, it, it shows me everything for free. What the hell? That is a Piper Pilot 100i. Took off from Al Allentown? What the hell? It's a van driving 100 miles an hour down the road. Allentown. What in the hell? Whoa. This is like a tourist plane or something? Where the hell did it take off? Allentown, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Remember when I went to Allentown year last year? <laughs> Where is it? Is it? Is it, it uh, oh, it, maybe they took off from Allentown. Now it's flying around Manhattan. Then it's coming back, going back to Allentown. Maybe it was like a tourist flight or something. That's weird. Private owner, joyriding over New York in the Piper Pilot 100i. Yeah, they show you the whole flight path here. Interesting. It's going 115 knots. I know I looked up knots as opposed to miles per hour. There's some sort of explanation for it, but I don't remember. It's close to miles per hour. But it's not quite exactly miles per hour. Knots. Yeah. But since we don't know about if any of these alternate timeline stuff is real, then we could just say, yes, it's just been 56 years. Yeah. More airplanes? Which one is this? This is... A Bombardier Global 6000. No information. But it took off from Teterboro, like almost all these planes. We're, we're on the flight path out of Teterboro, private airport. Not private, but it's uh, small, small planes, you know. You know what I'm saying. Private jets and stuff. I guess it's a private airport. I don't know. It's not like you go... I don't hear anyone saying they're going to Teterboro to, to take a flight to like on vacation or something. Right? Right. October 3rd, 2023. It sounds like a fake date, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 is, it, it is the date right now as far as I know. It sounds fake, but it is October 3rd, 2023. Yeah, it is as far as I know. I don't, I don't know. What do you want me to say? Reality, man. It's really... It's real. It's really, really real. It's reality. Yeah. Anyways, with that, I'd like to thank you so much for patching into this episode of The Overnightscape. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora, freshly turned 56 years old. If I was any younger, I wouldn't have all that experience in the 70s to talk about. So, the hell, you got to be old. Listen, if you want the 70s, you got to be old in 2023. I'm sorry to say that. There's no way you can have the 70s and, and be young. Unless you're some sort of like android or vampire or god or something, demigod. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be well, you're gonna be old anyway, but you'd seem younger, obviously, right? You know what I'm saying. To have the seventies and the eighties, you'll be older now in the twenty twenties. It just happens that way. There's no way around it. I wouldn't want to lose those those decades. 
Would you? Well, you may not, you may or may not have had them as well. <coughs> I'm I'm upset missing the, mi- missing most of the sixties. Some cool stuff in the sixties I, I missed out on because I was like a toddler in the in the later years of the sixties. Though there is a recording of me in the nineteen sixties speaking, but I was like barely two years old talking about Sesame Street and stuff. Anyway, you see what I'm saying. This is the Overnightscape. We're here on OnSug Radio, a radio station inside a book. Let's go to OnSug.com for all the information, or if you're further in the future, perhaps there is no more .com websites. I know it sounds very outdated even now. So uh, you'll find the book, OnSug Radio. It's O-N-S-U-G space R-A-D-I-O, OnSug Radio. It's a book. It's an object. It's a concept. It is our network here. We have uh, over 14,000 hours of content, over 11,000 ind- individual episodes. Currently residing on the Internet Archive is the easiest way to find it. Let's go to onsug.com, and you can buy a copy of the book in physical form, print-on-demand, the 2021 version. And I, I haven't worked on it much in the past week or two, but uh, the next edition of the book is coming. And I'm working hard on it. So you can go to the site. You'll see on the side, go to onsug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com. Stands for Overnightscape Underground. You'll see an image of the book. You can click on that. You can buy the book. As we are a non-commercial project, uh, I priced it as low as possible within the whatever Amazon KPM publishing system, whatever the hell they call it. Uh, I don't make any money on it. It is non-commercial. By, d- by structure, design, whatever you want to say, um, we have a very unique style, as you can tell, and uh, we're also very, very focused on preserving our work into the far future so people can listen and see what was going on in this time period. So the book you can buy, or you can download a PDF of the book as it looked when it was published, or the updated version that uh, has everything in it, 3,500 pages or so. You can get that one as well. It's all free. All the PDFs are free. This project is, uh, as I said, it's a non-commercial project. Uh, we do it for the love of it. We've all kept our day jobs, you know. As the Grateful Dead says, keep your day job. Don't give it away till your night job pays. The night job is not going to. Maybe I, this society, they don't really value that kind of artistic stuff. You just got to go work for a corporation or something like I do. I work for a major corporation. It's a day job. It's a living you know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. Is that like a pink chemtrail up there? Or is it just a contrail? It is fading, so it's just, just a contrail, I think. But it's pink because it's reflecting some sort of light of the sun over the horizon or something. Anyways, go to onsug.com. Hear all the latest shows. Check out the archive. And your voice can be in this archive. Just check out the latest edition of Overnight Escape Central. In fact, I didn't... Uh, the latest one just came out. Let's go to onsug.com and see. Yeah, there's a new topic each week put out by Mr. PQ Ribber, and uh, this episode is was Zoo. I loved recording about Zoo. Let's see what the next one is going to be. The, topper, the topic is actors and actresses. Hey, 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 that's a good topic. Is actress still like an acceptable word? You know, every day these some words that we used to use are now no longer allowed to be used. Actress. I think that's probably okay, but I don't know. Is there a website? Word updates. You can use this word anymore. Actress. 
Isn't there a band called Actress, like one of those death metal bands or something? I don't know. Anyways, if you have something to say about actors and actresses, please uh, check out uh, Overnight Skip Central. Listen to the latest episode, and you will hear towards the end instructions on how to participate. All you got to do is record on the topic, send your recording to PQ River, just send it via email. You got a phone, you have a smartphone, you can record on your smartphone. You don't need any equipment. You have the equipment. It's your smartphone. If you want equipment, you can get microphones, you can get mixers, you can get all sorts of stuff. But you don't need it. Just record on your phone. It'll be fine. Believe me, if you record a segment, even if you're unsure of yourself, it, I guarantee it, it'll be it'll sound better than you think it will. Doing these kind of recordings is not natural. Uh, just talking essentially right now. Am I talking to myself? No, I'm talking to all of you. But it's weird sitting. I'm sitting on my porch by myself just talking. It took me a while to get into the swing of this whole monologue thing. But once you do, it is the greatest art form. You can do it in your own time. You don't need a co-host. And uh, it is the greatest thing. As I said, it's almost like therapy for me. <laughs> I love doing it. It makes me happy. Is that spider still there? Yep, there is that spider still still working on spider stuff. But in the end, what will the spider accomplish? Will it have baby spiders? Or It's a pretty big one. I don't know what these spiders are doing. So many spiders. The heck is up with all these spiders? Listen, they can do what they want. The, Arach- the arachnids of the world. Anyways, now it is time to spin our own, weave our own web of audio jollity. Just like Jupiter, the bringer of jollity. Does he bring jollity? At least in uh, the classical work, Holst the Planets. The other side. Ever feel a peculiar ringing in your ears? Don't just sit there watching the telephone. Answer the television. Say, hello. Hello. Oh, hi. It's me, Alice. I wanted to call sooner, but I've been looking all over for that silly cat of mine. Hey, as long as we can do things together through the TV, you can help me. Maybe she'll come to you. Just call. Here, kitty, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty. You called? I was in the middle of a cat nap. Oh, Mr. Cheshire Cat. No, I'm sorry. We were looking for my cat, Dinah. Ah, a fellow feline. Lost. Well, that is important. I'll just help you find her. But she could be anywhere. Perfect. On the network, anywhere is just where we can all go. Hmm, maybe she's shopping at the Wonderland Mall. Or does she like movies? We've got them all. Or is she a sports fan with her eye on the ball? Now, we can search in one place or try them all. Uh, thanks, but I'm not sure Dinah actually went to any of those places. No need to thank me. I'm glad to help. Go ahead, pick a place. Me? I don't know. You choose. Movies. (gasps) 
great choice. And just wait till you see what's playing. seen here at the Looking Glass Theater, where every movie ever made is right at your command. Did someone say command? Ah! More yes for my command screenings. How wonderful! <laughs> you can pick any movies you want, as long as they're my favorites. <laughs> Have them ready when I return, or it's off with your heads! So make sure that one and only one calls out the name of the movie. Otherwise, we won't understand you. And we hate that. Good luck for all our sakes. To the clues. Think winter time. Makes you want to whistle while you work. I refuse to eat apples after seeing this film. Something, something on the wall. Will they get this one at all? Snow White. Snow White! That's right! Now, there's one more special feature here. You can call up the reviews of any movie you want. Do you want to hear two of Wonderland's most respected reviewers? Yes. Yeah. My brother and I both agree. It's thumbs up on this one. In fact, seven thumbs up! That was my line, dopey. Oh, stop being so grumpy. Okay! make this one a little bit harder. Go! The villain was all wet, but the other characters got along swimmingly. Even the crabby guy was nice. And that's no fish story. The Little Mermaid. Good job! You deserve the wave! Now, would you like to hear our review? No. All right. You're on a roll. Now, this guy needs a shame bad. Some teapots whistle. This one sings. Does it ring a bell yet? Beauty and the Beast. Amazing. With a mind like that, you're bound to live happily ever after. Uh-oh. Here comes the queen. So... Have you chosen yet? Yes, Your Majesty, we have. And they have all your favorites. They knew exactly what you were thinking. You're right, they must have. Just a second. How did you know what I was thinking? No one's allowed to know what I was thinking. Off with your heads! Off with all of your heads! Tweeters? But I like my head where it is. Getting a little too interactive? <laughs> Well, I'm dying it there. 
Now what? This one's for you, Alice. Oh, it must be my other line. Hang on. Hold, please. It's Jane Monroe from history class. He wants me to study with him at the library of Congress. I'm supposed to meet him back on the network in two minutes, but we still haven't found Dinah. Call it feline intuition, but I think things may be looking up for you. So long, Alice. Wait, <laughs> Film is one side. The technology is the other side. You'll be seeing a lot more of these. Go ahead and press the button in front of you to activate your console. She's getting away. And then the third side is the audience. Leslie. And none of it exists without each other. You know, if one element is missing, there is no movie. There is no entertainment to be seen. If the audience isn't there making choices, being active, there is no movie. It doesn't get made. Uh, this could be great, right? I mean, right? I mean, was asked the question whether uh, somebody, for example, Martin Scorsese, would ever make, uh, be interested in making an interfilm, and would he allow someone to, quote, edit his, his uh, film? And, and my answer was probably, yeah. I think that... Um, there will always be um, films as we know them. And they, they said, so the audience is like the writers, sort of. They like writers. And they said, yeah. He said, great. Soon they'll be down like the directors. And they'll be shouting up, no, move a little to your left. And stuff like that. But I, you know, I can't remember it was funnier when he said it. Because uh, he was from Hollywood. When Bob called me one evening with this crazy, out of his mind, uh, uh, dialogue as to this this concept. The image I always have is, you know, uh, in the old Star Trek, Spock played that three-dimensional chess. He always saw it in his cabin. And um, and writing in a film and conceiving of it is very much like what I imagine playing that kind of chess is. It's really three-dimensional. My first reaction was, you know, great, we'll talk about it in the morning because I just wanted to go back to sleep. Um, at which we met in the morning and Bob kind of not only laid out this concept of how we can how we can make this work, but he basically had a whole uh, st structure um, in place as well, not to mention a, uh, a basic screenplay. The writing of this thing was, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like it's a, it's a writer's nightmare and it's a writer's dream at the same time. Because there are different, you know, as many as nine or twelve different things could be happening in real time on the levels of this movie. So all they had to do, the writing team, which were great, Ben Grant and Michael Schwartz and uh, Jeffrey Gurian and Elisa Tagger, what they had to do was they had to keep track of the voices of their characters. How would I react as the character in the moment of the scene? We'll have a drink later. She's into me. I can tell by the way I'm being completely ignored.
All the basic rules of drama apply still. You've got to have good characters. You have to have a compelling story. It's obviously a much more complex one because you have to give all these options and you have to deliver on the options. But still, the structure and the characters and what it says and is it funny or is it not funny all still applies. I don't think anybody really knew what they were making except for the director. Um, maybe the, uh, the cameraman understood it, but I'm pretty sure no one else had any idea why we were doing what we were doing. We shot every night, night for night, at our offices. It was incredible. It was just a, a mind-opening experience. Our offices are down in Soho, um, this 11-story building. We used the whole first floor we turned into a sound stage, three stages, the party sequence that you see, the Professor Bob set. Do you realize he's the only man who's worked with both Otto uh, <laughs> Wagner. <laughs> yeah, okay, he didn't work with Otto Wagner. We used three hallways on three of the other different floors. Otto, Otto Klemperer? We used the whole entry hallway in the building. No, right, this is what I wanted to say. We used the street, we shut off the block, did that. He's the only man who's worked with both Otto Preminger and Otto Klemperer. We did all the roof sequences on the roof of our building. We used two, two other apartments in the building to shoot the interiors of the bedrooms and everything like that. I mean, we owned this place for a week. There was always kind of that scratching your head questioning, well, you sure that you know what you're doing type of thing. And we knew what we were doing, but I fairly certain nobody else did. The hardest thing about the project was just trying to get a grip on what the hell was going on with all of these different, um, you know, three possibilities of every scene. I don't know if difficult is the uh, exact right word. It was very different and unusual, and I liked that challenge. So when you work in a film, everything is mixed up anyway. But here, uh, people expect you to be following all the different eventualities. Okay, we're going to do the elevator scene alternate two, and we would just have to remember that that's when, you know, you know I get a gun in the head instead of a cheese ball in my face. And there were times I would go, okay, is this my story, or, or is this Mark's, and where am I coming from then in his situation? I didn't even bother to keep track. I had no idea what was going on. Why should I bother? I'm an actor. Do cattle know what's happening to them? I mean, he was a VJ on MTV. And, and what we found during the shooting is all of that training that Kevin had of treating a camera like a best friend was the absolute perfect training for the premiere interfilm well, episode. Because he, he knows how to talk to it like it's a human being, so he instantly brings the audience in. But let me say about Bob is that he's, he's, he's great to work with. He's very happy, very upbeat the whole time. He was, he was the most, most happy, pleased man I'd ever seen in my life up to that point. And then I took a recent trip to a psychiatric ward as a part of an outreach program, and there are other people who are happier. But the, all I mean to say is that Bob is very pleased, and the way that he works is tremendous. You know, it's like, what, no hair in the gate? Okay, next scene. I love that. The leading female role is played by Colleen Quinn, who's a wonderful actress from Broadway and television, a lot of soap opera work, but just wonderfully charming, and she's great. I had read the script and thought it was rather unusual and jumped all over the place. I did not know that it was audience remote controlled until much further into the process. The villain is Mark Metcalf, uh, who you may remember as Niedermeyer from Animal House, but he's great, plays Richard Hewitt. It's always harder when you have less money, and it's always harder when uh, uh, people are learning, and people were learning in this um, about the form, how to tell the story. Um, Bob was learning about film, I think, and uh, uh, everybody was sort of learning on the job so that makes it harder it also makes it more uh, makes it interesting Dad! what are you doing here am i like leslie no 
Um, and what I'm excited about with the film that I've seen so far is I definitely had an idea about her in terms of her earnestness and her naivete and that she really believes what she's doing. I really like her. She's a, she had been described to me as the Perils of Pauline by Bob, so I thought about that a lot, that uh, she's trying to maintain her composure in non-composed situations. <laughs> Colleen was very poised, just always extremely professional. You know, just, I guess because she's been working on, on soap operas, just that the idea that, you know, go and do it again, just the uh, most remarkably well-poised person I think I've ever seen. Kevin, I had to suppress myself from laughing while we were doing scenes. That was rather difficult. I was glad we had a couple takes sometimes so I could see what he was going to do. And she, she only kicked me twice and I deserved it, both times. Colleen was sweet and really pretty and nice and, re and, and fun to work with. Mark and I got more of a chance to talk because we had late night shoots together that had some more spare time so we talked about various things and I knew of his work. Um, and he was, he was swell. It was a real pleasure at, to work and to get to know him. Mark, too, is uh, just a, a bastion, a tower of, of professionalism. Kevin, I didn't really work with that much, but he seemed very funny. He smiles all the time. He might need some professional help. I don't know. Like when he got the mace in his eyes. I, you know, they were begging him, you know, Mark, we'll just do it with water. It'll just, we'll, maybe a little glycerin. It'll be just a little bit of stagecraft. He said, no, that's not the way I worked. It's not the way we did it in Animal House. We're taking the real mace this time and just, and he delivered all of his lines when a lesser man would have retched. I wrote those three segments so that it wouldn't really make much difference where you came into them. They're all sort of like Muzak in a way. I mean, Richard's music is very much like the cheesiest Muzak you can imagine. Good evening, officer. But in a way, Jack's music, which is sort of like fake heavy metal, is also Muzak because it's, it's just completely cliched. And it really doesn't have a structure to it. It's just bashing and thrashing, and wherever you come into it, it doesn't make any difference. The music was great. I got such a hoot out of the music. Is there going to be a soundtrack? Because it seems like, I mean, can you get the album in stores or something? I don't know. I'll talk to talk to Joe about that. I mean, there isn't one note in the score that's, that's serious or meant to be taken seriously. And there's something very liberating about that. I like the music a lot. Country Joe and the Fish, right? No, who was that? Who made the music? Who was it? Joe Jackson, that's right. I don't know these modern people. One of the reasons I got involved with this was because it was something new and because it seemed like it was fun. And uh, I think whenever you get an opportunity to be involved in something new, you might as well be in on it, even if it sort of goes the way of 3D glasses and odorama or whatever. I loved it. That really hit me when I saw it for the first time because obviously we did not have the music when we were filming and I think it added so much to it. I think it's really great. The main thing about the score that was different for me is doing something completely electronic which I haven't done much of, where I've played everything myself. And that was really because I felt like uh, this film was, was like playing a big video game. I don't have a problem with the fact that um, the audience is going to change this thing every time it's shown and that, that that's going to change the music too. I just hope that everyone sees it more than once so they get to hear as many of the different bits as possible. That's all.
The end. Because of this new technology, this new media, what you get to do is, instead of just thinking, why did he say that to her? Why did that happen? You can change it. Don't just sit there. Change it. You know, you decide. It's up to you.
know, and all who manufacture what is sold, know that American women often have the deciding voice in whatever we come to buy. They offer her the romance, the adventure of choosing from foods gathered from the four corners of America, and indeed from all the world, all well-lighted for selection, placed where she can reach them, arranged for time-saving as well as money-saving selection, even though she may shop only once a week. Behind all she sees and buys are suppliers, and suppliers of suppliers, men and women who know how much the many pennies they save in handling what she buys, before she buys, may mean to her in individual purchases. These are pennies saved that enable her to give the family more for the penny. Looking for low price, she may be wiser than those who think the most is always the cheapest. Or wiser than those whose idea of saving is to spend gasoline driving around the block, looking for a parking meter with free time left on it. concerned with weighing the cost of present needs against the rewards of saving for future necessities. While always she considers price, she looks also for those values, those qualities that provide for better appearances or promise to give us lasting satisfactions. We see to it that whatever we buy is functional that it is individually suited to the purpose for which we are to use it. The fine art of practicing economy with a larger view. Low first cost, yes. And suitability, the most value for the money spent as time goes on. And one thing more, we want the article that best serves our heart's desire. No, that's fucking stupid. Screw that.
This is the Yerkes Regional Primate Research Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Here the study of ape language skills has entered a new dimension. The researcher is Dr. Timothy Gill. His subject, a seven-year-old chimp named Lana. The medium of communication between them, an electronic keyboard tied into a master computer. Each symbol on the console is equivalent to a word, color-coded to fit a particular class of objects or actions. To minimize errors of interpretation, the computer continuously monitors everything Lana says, providing a permanent printed record for later, more detailed analysis. Even at night when the staff is off duty, Lana may continue to converse with the computer, requesting such things as drinks or snacks, all delivered to her by the machine. Or perhaps to fill an evening alone, she'll select a movie or a favorite piece of music. Lana's life is far from lonely, as Dr. Dwayne Rumbaugh explains. We observed very early in the project that Lana learned best if a close social interaction was permitted between her and Tim and the other technicians. During these informal training sessions, Lana came to enjoy the task on which she worked, and she came proficient in that which she was being taught. On one memorable occasion, Tim tried to trick Lana by putting cabbage in the food dispenser in place of the monkey chow she preferred. It was on June 11, 1975, that the historic incident occurred. After I placed the cabbage in the machine, Lana questioned me in the following manner. Question, you put chow in machine? To which I responded, chow in machine. This exchange took place four additional times, after which Lana came back with question, chow in machine? To which I responded, yes. Lana was not about to buy this, however, for she came back with no chow in machine, which was indeed true. I asked, question, what? in machine. She did not respond, so I repeated it again. Question, what in machine? To which Lana responded, cabbage in machine. I responded, yes, cabbage in machine. Lana then came back with, question, you move cabbage out of machine? To which I responded, yes, and proceeded to remove the cabbage. Despite the occasional good-natured deception, Tim and Anna share a deep bond of affection, and one of her favorite requests is, Please, Tim, tickle.
ladder. Recently, Lana's accomplishments attracted the attention of Dr. Dorothy Parkell of the Georgia Retardation Center. We were really intrigued with what had been done with Lana and interested in seeing what would happen if we tried to apply this technology with human subjects. Dr. Parkell has found that the same keyboard system that serves Lana as a medium of communication can help to unlock the potential of the retarded child to express her wishes and feelings. In this way, the work with Lana has already begun to rebound to the betterment of humankind, helping to bridge the gap that has too long existed between man and chimpanzee. <laughs> 